voice my voice feels weird. <clears throat> Your voice looks weird too. It, like it feels like I'm having to really force to talk loud. I don't know why. You talked a lot this weekend? No. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've been in meetings and stuff today. But... <sighs> yeah, that's a that's reality. Yeah, that's my life. Tuesdays, Tuesdays are meeting a. Yeah, today especially because yeah. I had that call that I just. Yeah, you, know, you had a bonus meeting. <sighs> it's a lot. Extra. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Shall we? Yeah. Shall we? Shall we cast? Ah, uh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> oh. You good? A couple of these looking kind of dim. I don't uh, know. We're, we, that's all right. Need some more batteries. Oh, hang on. Before we get to it, let's flip the, let's flip the tube. Yeah, we should put that somewhere where the, it can be seen. You can't see it there? No, it's completely oh, it's right behind by you. my head. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, well. Whatever. We'll know it's there. We will. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 107 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I'm Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casually and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about 14 karat and 18 karat nibs and what makes them different, why you can find bottles of pens from brands that we carry, but we don't carry those certain models. We're going to talk about fixing a scratchy nib at home. We haven't done any like detailed nib talk in a while. No, so it's been a while. We like riding a bike. Um, what's the ideal number of pens to get a diverse collection? This should be interesting. And why don't manufacturers just make the perfect pen already? And then we're going to be spotlighting the Pilot Custom 845 as well. And then we got our regular shenanigans. So should be fun. So uh, yeah, we'll start it off with some feedback. Well, Brian, we've got some feeding back coming from Jones Cat 4. Mm -hmm. The ink job candidates has to be put into the top 10 of all time pen cast questions and answers. Wow. You hit the nail on the head with this one. I was amused, informed, and impressed. It was worth waiting for over an hour for the discussion. Jeez. Um, I had how long it took us to get to that question. I guess so, yeah. I had to pause the pen cast to immediately check to see if I had J. Urban 1798 Amethyst de Laurel in my possession. Upon finding out that I had a bottle in the in the back of my ink drawer, I was both elated and ashamed. Definitely oh, an ink that should not be relegated to the back of the drawer with its great performance, versatility, and flair. The bottle now sits on my desk front and center. Nobody puts a baby in a corner or in the back of a drawer. That's cool. See, I love it when... You can rediscover something yeah, that you already have. It's like new again. That's what I love about the fountain pen hobby overall. And this happens with pens. It happens with ink. Mm-hmm. Not as much with paper. Paper, I feel like I pretty much, I pretty much take it for what it is. But ink and pens, at least, I definitely have things where I'm kind of like, eh, or I'm not into it at the time. But then right. I, I later come back to it and I'm like, man, why have I been sleeping on this the whole time? Like, this was here for me, and I just didn't appreciate it. You know what? I but bet then you we... get to rediscover it, and you're like, cool. I bet we need to revisit French ruled paper. That maybe maybe that's the surprise that's waiting for us. Maybe we're just like, you know what? I didn't give it a shot before, but now I did. And I love it. It's my favorite thing. It's so many lines. <laughs> There's just so many lines on that paper. <laughs> All right. And then we got a, a message from Grant, who we answered the uh, question from, the ink candidates, the ink interview, as someone pointed out we should have said. Ink interview? Yeah. Okay. You know. 
Uh, Grant here. Thanks for taking our question. The boys had a blast putting it together. I'll be using the pencast for our family time meeting next Sunday. Fun fact, it was the three who have been with us the longest that came up with the content. They each picked um, they picked each ink based off of their own personality. The final ink, Fuyu Siogun, they picked to represent me since English since the English translation translation is roughly old man winter. I saw a picture of Grant <laughs> with his kids. Like he's probably younger than us. Like oh. not an old man. What does that say about not us? Not an old man. Come on. <laughs> Those kids. Those rascals. I mean, when you're a kid, I remember thinking like 30 years old was like yeah. elderly. You just had no concept. We probably had a good many teachers that were our age. I think about that. Yeah. Like I see the yeah. teachers that my kids have had and I'm like, I mean, some of them are, you know, older. Yeah. Some of them are like, oh, I'm yeah. I'm good 10, maybe 15 years older than many of these teachers. Yeah. And they probably seem old to my kids. That's great. Which is weird. That's great. Yeah, so I feel wonderful old, about how that. How old must I feel to them? Old Man Winter. Very old, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking mm. of Old Man Winter, uh, Life Inspired Design says, I have never felt so seen. I feel like Drew summarized my entire professional career when talking about pilot Hiroshizuku Fuyushiogun. Wow. This may explain why I'm so drawn to this ink. I used a sample a while ago and loved it. I think a bottle purchase is in order, especially since I identify so strongly with its qualities. Wow. Dang. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I we always try to put thought into these questions, and I thought it was good, but I didn't. I didn't realize how much everybody would connect to it. We got a lot really of feedback cool. about that. Yeah, that I was. Love a, that. It was a. It didn't. It wasn't helpful. <laughs> like it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. Didn't help anybody. Apparently, like, it was. I mean, it was entertaining. I think, but uh, wow. yeah. Anyway, if you are like life inspired design and would uh, feel like you would benefit for from a sample of Hiroshizuku Fuyushiogun. We're going to help you out. So if you wanted to order anything from the Goulet Pen Company between now and next week, uh, Friday, October 6th, you can get a free sample of Iroshizuku Fuyu Siogun by adding it to your cart. And then during the checkout process, type in FUYU, F-U-Y-U in all caps in the coupon code box. It'll go ahead and just deduct the uh, 225 or however expensive that that's more of the, that's more of the exp- one of the more expensive it's, it's, ones it's up there yeah. so look at that one we're, we're, we're helping you out big time with that one yeah so uh, anyway check out the old man winter and uh, <laughs> and enjoy you can think about us all right I got one from uh, Sextus Pompeius yes you can remove the 823 cap insert in my experience it requires five Q-tips five Q-tips so okay. rather so you just than like the, jam them all in there. So or? rather than the rubber band around the pencil trick, the rubber band around the pencil thing has rarely failed me. I've so never tried like to just shove a bunch of Q-tips in there. Neither have I. Huh. Um, I might have to try shoving a bunch in there. Yeah, hmm. the thing about the the reason I didn't really remember it, I don't think I've taken this out very much. It's because the insert on the A23 is black, mm. like it is not translucent. So if you do have any ink or anything in there, you don't see it quite as prominently as if yeah. you have a perfectly clear insert. But you were right, saying I think I think you said you were pretty sure it could come out traditionally. Yeah, and yeah, yeah you, you're right. It can. Okay, cool. So I was I was pretty sure I just wasn't as confident about my whatever. All right, um, Echo Southall says, as a librarian sitting here in the library listening to y'all, I have to agree, quantity is quality. <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, got a few, actually, that's got several comments about that. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura RPH says, quantity is quality. Wow, that's my new 
fountain pen collection motto. She's probably not alone. <laughs> probably like, not. There are probably a lot of quantity over quality fountain pen people it's out there. It's not quantity over quality. It's quantity yeah, that's is right. quality. <laughs> sorry, that's sorry, the whole point. Sorry. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. That's seriously, that's really funny. I just came up with that on the fly during the pencast. You're not alone. You're in good company. That explains so much of my life. Yes, it really does. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, this is the most Brian quote ever. It really is. You know, fountain pens, puzzles, hammers, tools, hammers. You name it. The amount of hammers. So many hammers. Did you say you had like over 20? Oh, easily. Probably (laughs) double that. I don't know. That's just what I can like think of off the top of my head. No, you do not have 40 hammers. Easily. Easily. Brian Goulet. If you include sledgehammers and all that kind of stuff, yeah, for sure. I at least have like a dozen hammers just hanging up in one spot (laughs) in my workshop. But they all have different purposes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got different weights and sizes. You got framing hammers. You've got ball peen hammers. You've got rubber rubber mallets. Easily. 40 different purposes. Easily. For whacking things. If I feel so inspired, maybe I'll count them up one day. But... (laughs) I would have to guess I have 40 hammers. Oh, my God. And I, some of them, like, I went back. I was, like, a teenager when I bought them because oh, it was, wow. like, I could go see this movie and forget about it. Or I could buy this hammer and have it the rest of my life. You know how many and I have? And I still have all those hammers. I have an inside hammer uh-huh. and an outside hammer. An outside hammer? What's, it's just, it's what's out, an outside it's, hammer? It's the one attached. I have, I have, like, a attached shed. Okay. And it's the one, and I get to it from the outside of my house. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's in there. Yeah. But then I keep one, I have a little tool bag that I keep indoors so I don't have to go outside. Yeah. It has all the essentials in it. So I have an yeah. inside hammer and an outside hammer. Maybe one day I'll count up how many hammers I have and I'll give you a report. Oh my God. Just of the ones I can find. Yeah. I probably uh, got hammers tucked away in places that I don't even know. Do you have any in your shorts right now? I don't have any on <laughs> my person. Though they do make like a, have you ever seen like a Leatherman like like multi tool thing? They make With one the that hammer. has like a hammer. I have in seen it. those. That's pretty cool. Those are pretty. cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't have one of those, oh, but wow. I, I do have this small. I don't see. This is another one I just remember that I have that I forgot about. Going back to my tinkering days, I think I got this when I was like a teenager. But it's a small metal hammer that's like this big, but you unscrew. I did have one of the those. body out yeah. of it, and it has like four different size those screwdrivers. Are so fun. It's like a Russian, like Russian, like uh, doll yeah. of like screws inside of there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Those are fun. So I have that somewhere. I don't know where that is. I haven't seen it in, or thought about it in years. But that's another hammer. Add it to the hammer tally. Anyway, quantity's quality. <sighs> All right, uh, Different Kind of Geek says, it's refreshing to see Brian not purchasing this pen, the Namiki Aya that we showed off last week. Yes, it's pricey, but not overly overly ridiculous. I love his frugality. (laughs) It's also relatable to those on tight budgets. I don't know if I would be considered frugal in the pen space. That's really what I wanted to, I put this on here because I did want to ask you, do you consider yourself to be a frugal person? As a general rule, yes. Because I would say yes. Yeah, absolutely. I would say you you generally are I've, frugal. I've I like always spent less money than I have. I do. I'm very debt averse. When it comes to buying things, I'm always keeping like value in mind. Yeah. So it's like it's not that I'm refuse to buy something because it's expensive, but I always keep in mind like the the bang for the buck. You know. So for me, that's that's kind of what frugal is. I'm not like a not willing to spend money. Yeah. But I have to see the value of like the return on that money. And it has so, to be so, like, a di- like a, I am more likely to spend something that's like a disproportionate value for, so for the money So you truly do believe that 40 hammers is what you need. <laughs> well, now you're, <laughs> now you're. 
<laughs> Maybe challenging me on that a little bit. No, no, no. But for real, I would, if I was talking to somebody else about Brian, I'd be like, he is a very sure. frugal person. I would I, say I tell, yeah. Like, I there's, so. there, you have your rabbit holes yeah. like we all do. Sure. But overall, like, you know, I've seen you drive some pretty modest vehicles. I've owned in your several, time. several Pontiac Aztecs <laughs> in, my, so, in my life. And I would say that those are... The, I, the, I drive a 10-year-old car yeah, right now. You know, you so know. I would say that... Generally speaking, of the of the important things, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're a pretty frugal person. You and Rachel both, I would say, try to be pretty frugal people. Try to be, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's like again, something like the Namiki Aya. For what it is, I think it's a great pen. I think it actually is a pretty good value for the work and and everything that I goes agree. into it. But objectively, it's an expensive item to yeah. own. You know, so yeah, over pens over a certain dollar amount, I really have to think a lot about yeah. it. Yeah, and I appreciate that. As somebody who benefits from the business owner's frugality, sure, like, sure. I appreciate your restraint. Well, I do. I pre- oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's not the only thing on my mind is like, oh, I want this pen. It's right. like, oh, there's a lot of expenses around here. Right. That also, have to be cognizant. I, yeah, I do appreciate for that. For sure. Thank for you. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and then uh, another one from from Laura, uh, RPH here. Uh, Brian, with your love of blues, how about Jerbon? Kyanite du Nepal. I think it's fabulous. What an awesome shimmer. Yeah, I agree. That is a great one. That is a great one. Yeah. Probably I've probably been sleeping on that one a little bit. I keep one of every every urban ink that comes out now. Just like where would where would, uh, where would would that go above or below Stormy Gray? Above or below Stormy Gray in, in terms of like in your own personal ranking. Uh, above. Above. Yeah. I mean Stormy Gray is nice. It's a nice color, but grays in general I'm not huge on grays. Yeah. Like I go in and out. Yeah. Every now and then I get I get like right now I'm I'm I really want to put I really want to ink up diamond silver fox. Okay. Because somebody asked in a comment somewhere like what's a good gray to layer mm. on top of another gray and I'm like mm. man I don't know I think silver fox I need to try it. So I'm like one of these one of these pens is going to get emptied out pretty quick and get I'm going to get a gray in there. You need to layer on top of another gray. Like, like a, a gray light enough that you could. You know, let it dry and then put another layer on top of oh, it okay. and have it for like, dar- darken in layers. For like artwork, yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff? Oh, okay, and that's, that's one thing true. I've always liked about grays is yeah. you can do that. Yeah, because there's usually really good shading with grays, right? But that's you need, but you need like. to start with a lighter one. Okay. And I think Silver Fox okay. hits hits the bullseye there, but I don't know. I need to try it. I miss Interesting. it. Interesting. Okay. I was, I was into that for a while. Diamond Graphite has always been a favorite gray of mine. Graphite is great, and I, I it looks it looks like pencil lead it, yeah, it looks it, like graphite yeah, yeah. it's shading. a little dark for i think these purposes that i'm talking about sure, sure. but it is a fantastic gray yeah that's always been one i've appreciated that's a yeah. good one um, yeah that's good but yeah kind of do nepal i've really yeah. i mean i like that i mean just anything blue i'm gonna yeah. like that more I, than non-blue if anybody <laughs> if anybody happened to be a big fan of the uh quantity versus quality thing um stay tuned i might be doing something with that we'll see we're, I thinking, th- about I, it? we're thinking about it i think that there are more than a few people that resonate with that statement enough, enough that we might want to do something for the people about that. So yeah, I don't know. stay yeah. tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Let me know if there's any interest there cool. or not. I don't care. I'll probably do it anyway. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's all we got for feedback. Uh, let's talk about some new stuff. All right. We're a little light on the new stuff this week, Drew. We are. And that's okay. It's not always going to be... You know, busting at the seams every week. But uh, one thing I wanted to encourage you all, I don't have anything specific to mention. Drew, Drew's got a few things. Um, wanted to point out we have this whole page on our site for coming soon, new arrivals. 
uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we have bottom shelf. There's some great places on our site where there are new things that are kind of churning through all the time. So those are great places to go and check out. If you don't have like a specific pen in mind, you just kind of want to keep tabs, see what's, what's going on, what's interesting. Um, so you can go and check those out. So, uh, I would encourage you to go check those out right now, just as we're kind of waiting. We have a bunch yeah. of, we have a bunch of new stuff that's kind of yeah, on the you, horizon. You see this Twisby Kai yeah, that looks pretty cool. Another a non-demonstrator Twisby. No, it's kind of the sequel to the. It's another one of their Aurora pens. Like yes, the, uh, yes, I've got their. Uh, they've done a. I think one called the Draco. Draco, yeah, that I was don't it. Have so a, this is like the I sequel. don't have a Draco. Rachel does. It just missed. It. You know what? Maybe that's why I don't. Rachel have does. It. <laughs> maybe she. Yeah, maybe she took it. <laughs> oh, that was a whole thing. Um, what pen was that recently that she insisted on? Oh my gosh! Yes, I can't remember. It was a whole thing. It was a Twisby. It must have been a Twisby. It was definitely yeah. a Twisby. Was it the lapis blue, maybe, the eco? Um, the blue and rose gold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And, I, I oh wanted I wanted the right one off because I wanted one for myself. It was so funny. And then Rachel was like, okay, well, if you're going to have well, one. We don't need two. We don't need two. So the one you have will just be mine, <laughs> but you can keep it. And I was like, what is this? What kind of power play is this? It's like this whole thing now. Oh, and then as soon as and Bri- I was like, as as I was like if you started- want one, it's an eco. Like, if you want one, you... Right. You also have one, but I want, soon, I want one. As soon as Brian started getting like, like, uh, hey, Rachel's like, okay, this is my opportunity to start poking him now. So she just, you could tell, she's like, oh, I'm going to, she's like, and just, just like jabbing and jabbing and poking and poking. Brian's I, couldn't, like, I couldn't win. No. I couldn't win. <laughs> it was like, no, she was like, no, it's not a big deal. It's all right. You can just, you, you can keep that one. It'll just be mine, right. but you can have it she all. You can use it whatever you want. I'm like, like, really? Okay. Oh, so whatever. funny. What I should do is I should take another one and then I'll keep them both but one will be hers and one will be mine the anyway con, appreciate um, that yeah we've yeah, got some cool yeah, yeah. like pelican maquillers here coming yeah. down the pipeline yeah the pelican I was confused because it's M1000 maquillers that's coming out but they they'll do like a special edition or limited edition every year um, but sometimes they'll do a rod and I don't think they do a rod in every year. No, I don't think so. But the, the, so this is more of like a traditional, mm-hmm. I mean, not that rod not traditional, but this is more of a, you know, the Togodashi and Taki, Taka, you know, Maki, this is like what you see in a lot of like Namiki. And, and then they've got this crazy like Glauco Kembong. Yeah. I don't even know what that one's all about. I don't about. know either, but y'all can check it out on the website. It's yeah, funky looking. Yeah, go check it out. I don't. I don't know what's up with that one. Yeah. I don't is know that what's up with that I don't know. It's something funky. We got to read up about it. It's glad. But anyway, yeah, check it all out. It's a big mystery, but the mystery will reveal yeah. itself if you visit the What's New section. Yeah. Or coming soon. Coming soon. What's new? Um, all that stuff. What is new, though, is some Waringal stuff. Mm. So we've got a couple new things from the brand Waringal, which traditionally it's ink and it's glitter potions, but mm. we've got some paper things happening. So we're now selling Waringal swatch swab cards. So we've got the cards. They come in about 100 per pack. Um, that is six bucks for 100 cards. Mm-hmm. So these are just color chart cards. They're nice, rigid paper. They show off ink really nicely. They're not super absorbent. They're just absorbent enough to not you know, take forever to dry. But stuff will lay on top so you can show off some shimmer mm-hmm. and some other um, ink if properties. You're, if you're familiar with the uh, color ring, yeah. it's like that, like a thick card stock, like yeah. that kind of thing. But it, it'll do well in showing things like shading and yeah. shimmer and stuff like and that. And I only used it briefly, but I think it's a little less absorbent than the color ring paper. Okay. So um, yeah, that might be for you. But um, so you can get the cards separately or you can get the cards and you can get a card binder, which is um, another $6. So for just $12, you get the cards and the binder that the cards can go into. Mm -hmm. There are 40 sheets in that binder 
with three uh, levels per sheet. So do the math if you want. I guess you could probably do them front to back and double your space there. But you can create your own That's binder. True. You know, it's you know cheap plastic. It's nothing fancy, but it'll hold your swabs. Mm-hmm. It'll make it so they're very easily accessible and visible to you. So you can uh, store and transport and whatever, keep track of all mm-hmm. of the inks that you use so that if you remember really liking one, you can reference it quickly. Yeah, and, and these, you, these cards too, they're like business card size. Yeah. So this card binder thing is essentially like a business card holder of sorts. So if you have a business card holder already that you're not using because who uses business cards anymore, really? So you can just adapt one of those and those cards will fit in there. So, Probably. But I mean, six bucks for... You yeah, know, we couldn't say no to these prices. We, we thought that was a good value for y'all. Yeah, we, we were debating about even carrying it because it's like, that's not, you know, it's it's more like a general office supply type product. But, you know, it seems like, like, yeah, it seems like to get something comparable at like an office depot or staple yeah. or something is like going to be at least that much anyway. Yeah. So. so, but if you didn't want to go the individual cards and then putting them in the notebook route or in the swatch book route, you can get an actual notebook. So the A5 color swatch notebook is $9 and that's 40 pages of, you know, uh, spy, uh, uh, it's like a wire. Bound. Re- yeah. Wire bound. Wire bound yeah. I want to say yeah. spiral bound. It's not um, spiral bound. It's not, a, it's, I guess it's not technically no. spiral bound. Wire bound um, A5 notebook and it has, you know, again, the three levels there. So you can have it in, in a nice, you know, catalogable paper situation. Yeah. All very cool. The yeah. colors show up nicely. Definitely worth nine bucks. Like, it looks nice as a group too. Yeah. Because yeah, I think it's like four of them on a page or something like Three that. Three or four, yeah. I don't recall. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Solid. Check them out. They're on the website. They're available now. Yay. Yay, ink stuff. Boom, boom. All right. Uh, that's all we got for new stuff this week. Uh, now let's get into the Q&A. Okay, Brian, we got a gold question here. A gold question? Yes, JBots8883 is kicking us off this week with a question about gold. Mm. A question about nibs. Mm. 14K versus 18K and steel. Okay, so not just gold, but you know. Mm. Oh, crap, I totally missed the steel part. That's fine. (laughs) We know about steel. Characteristics of each and why would you purchase one over the other? I think that like we've spoken plenty of times about gold versus steel. I think... We have well, talked about that a bunch. Well, we have we can, we can sprinkle some of that. Yeah, in. sprinkle, sprinkle. But I think that the the, the potatoes and the meat, if you will, uh, 14K versus 21K or 18K. 18K or yeah. 20, why not 21 yeah. too. Why not throw that in there? Gold's gold, right, Brian? Uh, Well, gold gold is gold, but different carrots of gold <gasps> are different things. Oh. Because there's less gold in Do tell. some versus the other. Okay. Do tell. Uh, truth be told, I literally missed the word steel altogether when That's I fine. looked at this initially. So we'll, we'll touch on some of that, but the bulk of my question and preparation that I did was uh, about the gold. And, you know, I have some of my own like personal experience and, and you know, observations from having used all these different nibs because every nib that we've carried on our site I've written with for the nib nook, at least in that capacity, if not more. That is true. So I've gotten to experience every single nib that yep. we carry. Uh, for what, 14 years now, 13 years since we've done the nib nook. So that's quite a few nibs. And, you know, just as I'm using them, I kind of sort of catalog in the back of my brain, how it feels, what difference it makes and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, this question is a little bit tough because there is a difference between 14 karat and 18 karat and 21 for that matter. But it's not one that's necessarily discernible or commonly shared across pen brands yep because it's not the only factor nope so just a little bit of gold nerdiness here 
what actually makes them different. So 18 karat gold is 75% pure gold and 25% other stuff, other metal alloys. So you like said that's silver, 18? 18 karat is 75% gold. Okay. 25% silver, copper, nickel, palladium, maybe some other stuff. Um, and it has a Mohs hardness scale of 2.8. Do you remember that from science day by, way back in the day? No. No. Moe's Mo, doesn't sound familiar at all. Moe's Dwight Schrute's cousin. M-O-H. Oh. Moe. Nah. That's the dude's last name. Nope. All right. Uh, 14 karat gold is a less pure, whatever, formulation, alloy of gold. Uh, 14 karat gold is 58% pure gold. So 18K is 75%. 14K is 58%. Or some 56, 50, you know, there's different, slightly different, but 58, is, 58 seems to be What common. does Mo have to say about the hardness? The hardness is harder, 3.5 to 4. Because it's got more alloy and gold, is, got gold more, is a soft gold material. Gold is softer than all of the other metals in the alloy. Gotcha. So, um, you know, there's a 17% difference overall in the gold content. Okay, like, will you notice that? Maybe. Um, all else equal... All else equal, exact same nib design, all the same work and style and all that kind of stuff. An 18 karat gold nib will be slightly bouncier, slightly softer, because the gold is going to be less rigid than the rest of the metals in the alloy. It's a softer metal. So you're going to have, you know, a slightly bouncier, slightly springier, maybe slightly flexier type of writing experience. Again, all else being equal. But of course, not all else is equal. In fact, there are very few manufacturers that offer the same gold nibs in both 14 karat and 18 karat for you to even like do a direct comparison. I guess the closest way you could do a comparison would be to use a sailor nibs and go between 18 and 21 well it's a different size nib though so it's like it different You're yeah right. it's Golly. different yeah so it's like the not, nib isn't exactly the same Dang. yeah the only one that i could think of was aurora has some of their nibs that are 14 karat and 18 karat mm. and it's the same thing like some of the 888s that they've done or the 88s and the 888s i don't know but i mean the price difference is significant to go to 18 karat just from 14 karat it's like usually like 150 bucks or something huh. um and it's never been all that popular, but the, you know, some that's that's it's more gold in there. It's more expensive. It's harder work, stuff like that. Um, you know, so it is kind of tough to do like literally a one to one comparison. Yeah, Visconti's got Visconti's got eighteen and fourteen, but they're different. The I believe the nibs are coming from they're different, different manufacturers. Yeah, and they're different, slightly different styles, stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of other factors when it comes to a nib. So it's thickness. The metals that are the other metals besides the gold that are used in the alloy that can change the stiffness and the spring back and like these other factors of the nib. Um, the nib shape itself, the taper that it has, the curvature, if it's got like cutouts and stuff like that, that can cause certain relief and oh, absolutely. The flexibility. You could have a, a, a rigid as heck 21 mm -hmm. karat gold nib and then a flexible steel nib. 100%. Depending so, on the shape. Exactly. So that's what makes this so tough to make just like a blanket statement about pens in general is like, oh, you know, of course, 21 karat is going to be the best, then 18, then 14, then steel. Well, no, not necessarily, because there's so, oh, so many other factors. Yes, if all else was equal and the nibs were the exact same design, same specs, 
then yes, those gold nibs would be softer. Well, what but about that's usually th- not how it works. Think about think about a good example would be the twenty one carat nib on the nineteen eleven L mm-hmm. versus the twenty one carat nib on the nineteen eleven King of Pens. Exactly, totally different, very experience, different experience. Just because of the shape and size shape of the nib, size, not yeah. because of the gold content. Exactly, exactly. Totally different writing experience. Very different experience. The, the King of Pen nib is going to be way more bouncy. Or take yeah, like you said, the the twenty one carat you know mid size nib on the nineteen eleven or the Pro Gear. Uh, versus, you know, or like platinum's 18 karat nibs, those tend to be pretty stiff as yeah. well. Or platinum, well, I guess most of those are 14 karats, but still the platinum gold nibs tend to be pretty stiff. Um, but then you look at the Pilot Falcon nib, that thing is soft and quite flexible. Or the E95S, that's another 14 karat nib. Um, the custom 743 or the custom 912, you know, FA Falcon nib, those are very bouncy, very springy. And those are only 14 karat nibs. You know, those are all softer than all of the Sailor 21 carat nibs. So it's, it's just not the only thing to take into account. So it does make it kind of tough when you say like, oh, is it, is it justifiable? Is it better? You, you kind of almost have to take like each nib on its own, which obviously is tough when you're buying online because you don't usually get to try it beforehand, but you kind of have to rely on other people's reviews and us talking about it. But to your point, you're rarely going to be faced with oh no, what do I pick? The 14 or the 18? Because there yeah. are always going to be other factors involved because you're just not going to find the same exact pen being produced in 18 or 14, really. Yeah, and m- most pens with gold nibs, the nibs are not going to be very interchangeable either. So really when you're making a, when a, choice of, when you're making a choice of pen based on a gold nib, you're pretty much looking at the pen as an entire package. You know what I mean? So it's like if you want to get a Falcon... You're not like, oh, well, it's only 14K, not 18K. So therefore, I'm not interested in the Falcon. Therefore, like, I'm going to go with the, the Sailor. Falcons, like, yeah, no, there the are way more important factors thing. at play. Yeah. So uh, yes, scientifically, it does make a difference. But in practicality, in terms of nib performance and stuff like that, it doesn't, it doesn't, it on its own doesn't have as significant of a factor as you might think. Now, going from like steel to gold is a little bit more of a difference because steel pretty much across the board is going to be relatively stiff unless you have a nib design that is, you know, a little bit more radically kind of designed to be flexible, like a Noodler's or an OmniFlex nib or, you know, the Diplomat Magnum. That's like an unreasonably soft steel nib for some reason. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the only three that I can really even think of that are like soft steel nibs. Everything else is pretty much going to be an a nail. Yeah. You know, but then you could say the same thing about, you know, some of the, uh, you know, pro gear, you know, slim nibs, like that's, yeah, that not, doesn't have any bounce. Really to it. bouncy. Yeah. No, not at all. Do those even need to be gold nibs? Arguably. Probably if they, not. If they like, made those in steel <laughs> and it was cheaper, that would be something to think about. It's not up to us, but that would be interesting. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. It's no easy way to answer that, but I would say that definitely don't, let the difference between 14k and 18k impact your buying decisions like if you're between two pens and one of them and one of them is 14 one of them is 18 don't just pick the 18 and expect that to be better for you um think of something think of another reason to make your call that don't let that do it for you because that's i mean unless you just need an arbitrary you know delineation which i get uh but it's not gonna it's not gonna deliver any meaningful difference for you. Yeah, when I was doing some research trying to like find, you know, about the differences of the 
14 and 18K, all it brought up was all these articles related to jewelry. Right. And about like 14, 18K. And every everything that I was reading in there was so like, like marketing speak of just like, oh, well, 18K is just got an obvious like brilliance to it and i'm just like what are you talking about like that's so subjective yeah. you know just the the the, na- the natural essence that it'll have of them like what are you even talking <laughs> about like what is the science here like what's the difference yeah you know from what i could tell from like a jewelry standpoint like they'll tend to use 14 carat for when they're like doing the prongs that are like holding in a gem or something like that because it's gonna be a little stronger mm-hmm. right so it's a little stiffer a little stronger so like structurally you'll use that you know whereas you know you might use it um i don't know it's somewhere different if it's you know 18k something you know more flashy or more decorative yeah. <laughs> yeah but 18k can like scratch easier it can wear a little easier because it's a softer metal so you know nib wise i don't think that's as much of an issue i haven't really had any issues of like people with 18 or 21k nibs like having them look really worn over time i think as in general you're not like it's not like jewelry where you're like knocking around with it all the time pens you tend to kind of take care of them a little more and they're yeah. not as exposed to like the elements i guess and then that that all also comes down to the finishing the plating and the polishing too yeah like if you, you got, got a, so many variables if that you got you're a gold nib that's plated that's like silver colored it's yeah. plated in rhodium well then the durability thing doesn't matter at all because it's plated in a harder metal altogether so yeah and plating it's such a thin just in case you're curious like the flexibility and all that kind of stuff we do get asked this from time to time whether a nib is like pure yellow gold or whether it's plated in something like rhodium to make it look silver it doesn't affect the nib's performance at all it's such a thin coating on there it's like electroplated you're talking microns thick um it's not going to actually affect things like flexibility and stiffness and that kind of things it's, it's literally just going to give it sort of like having a clear coat on your car it doesn't like strengthen right you know your car <laughs> it's literally just a thin coating on there so anyway call the insurance company yeah i just put a clear coat on so uh, my deductible so, uh, going down my, a little my bit my car's I'm, more durable i'm it's, safer uh, now right yeah, i'll be safer in a wreck because i have a thin coat of plastic on it anyway that's not how that works no, not so much. Cool. All right. Uh, I got kind of a two for one for you here, Drew. All right. All right. This is from uh, GB0861. I noticed that every pen company whose product you sell offers more styles than what I see on your website. How do you decide what styles you will sell? And to go along with that, Rubber Kid 100 says, is there a specific reason you don't carry the super cheap Pelican pens, e.g. the Pelicano? Or do you just reckon they wouldn't sell well enough? Uh, Drew, what do you reckon? Well, I reckon the Pelicano <laughs> didn't sell good the first time we sold it, nor the second time, so we're not going to try third. Um, we might. Never say never. Uh, all right. <laughs> Probably not. We have t- We have tried. The, I thought we um, tried the Pelicano once before. It's been twice. Rachel will inform me that we it tried the Pelicano twice. Jun- we had the Pelicano Junior. Didn't we do both? And the Pelicano back, right. in, back in the day. And then we just brought back the Pelicano. And then we, yeah. Okay. Rachel couldn't stomach bringing back the Pelicano right. Jr. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to die on this hill. Yeah. It's not that great of a pen. Yeah, no. We d- we have picked it up and dropped it twice now. Um, and they just didn't sell. So ultimately, the answer to your question is we carry things that we think are going to sell and we drop the things that don't or don't pick up the things that we think are not going to sell. So in the case of the Pelicano and the script and some other, you know, uh, you know, more accessible pelican models they have more or less all been tried and have we've concluded that 
our customer base is not particularly interested in them. So we said bye-bye to them. Mm. So um, we did re- recently, not recently, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago, look at the Pelicano again. Mm-hmm. And then we decided, let's try the Twist instead. So yeah. we did yeah. say yes to the Twist. Well, they came out with a bunch of new colors of the Twist. And that's part of why we were yeah. looking at that is because it was looked a little more yeah. interesting. So we did, we did try the twist. We're always curious. We're always yeah. interested in giving second chances, trying something the, new. I think the twist was a reboot too. I'm pretty sure we carried it years ago, at least a couple of the It might have been before me. Uh, it may have been because Pelican was the second brand we ever carried. We carried, yeah. we had like Jerobon, Rodia, Claire Because I don't think when I was, when I first got hired, we were carrying the script and the Pelicano. I don't yes. think we were carrying the twist. We didn't carry the twist at that time. I think we brought it on later. But I remember. Maybe we didn't. I think you just, you had a sample of one for a I had a, a couple of time. twists from back in the I don't day. know if we ever maybe sold we them sold though. It. Maybe we never sold it. Hmm. But anyway, uh, we so will, like we a, will a definitely try. Even. And yeah. we definitely given second chances plenty of times because, you know, the company, you know, we're not a, you know, 50-year-old company or, or anything, but we've been around long enough to know that, all right, well, we tried this when we were in a different stage of yeah. our history. The environment has changed. You know, the industry has changed. Let's give them a second shot. So we're not afraid of that. Even if something yeah. fails once, doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll... Well, we've had that happen before, like with the ink cartridges, for example. It used mm-hmm. to be like nobody wanted ink cartridges. Right. And so we we would try carrying a few here and there, but... They never sold well. It was hardly worth carrying. You know, it's a cheap product and, you know, the ink, if no one ever buys it, then it will get old in the cartridge. Ink cartridges specifically, they're meant to be disposable. So the plastic that's used in those cartridges will actually like off gas the ink out of there. And so if you have them for like literally years, then like the ink level will go down. You'll end up with this like highly concentrated like ink inside these cartridges. So that's not good. So it's like, okay, well, if nobody's going to buy them, then forget it. Uh, And then we brought them back several years later and lo and behold, they're still not like super hot sellers. They're better. But they sold better, like enough for us to expand and carry more. So like we're always open to trying more. Small bottles too. We used to not sell as many small bottles. Now small bottles are are what people want. So it just depends on, you know, the economy, things like that. Things shift and ebb and flow. We try to, you know, roll with the punches there. Definitely. Um, A lot of the time, if you see a model like, I don't know, the vanishing point where you might notice that some other retailers have some colors that we don't have. It's very likely that A, the color has been discontinued by the manufacturer or B, we started off carrying them and the sales just did not dictate that we mm. continue to reorder them and go through the effort of stocking them and things like that. Like so, the, Like the brown metal falcon? I was thinking the yellow <laughs> vanishing point, but sure, Brian. I think the pilot ended up eventually discontinuing that, didn't they? The brown? The yellow vanishing point? Oh, I don't know. They discontinued the brown one. The brown Which Falcon? I also liked. No, oh, the brown vanishing point. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. the, that thing is. It's not, not the best brown. It's not a great brown. I like the yellow, though. I will stand by that. Yellow's I think the right. yellow vanishing point is fantastic. Yellow's all right. It's like school bus yellow. Or like more like canary yellow. No, I think it has a more of like a mid-century appliance sort of yellow. Like a like a harvest gold, no, is it No, not called? quite. Har- it's definitely yellow. but like, like more, 70s. More like floral picnic basket 1961 yellow. Okay. I don't know. It's very specific. I'm just, I like it. So yeah, if you see things missing, it's probably because they just don't sell. We actually have a fantastic team here. Jeremy, our data analyst, Sam, our director of operations. They are a phenomenal team as well as, you know, some other folks that are involved in making sure that our, you know, the stock that we keep in our warehouse, because we don't drop ship anything. Everything that we have on our website, we have through those doors right there like that we have it. if we if you can buy it from us that means we have it 
um, more or less with a couple of like super expensive exceptions. But um, we are we don't overstock things or we try not to. We try really hard not to. And, and you know, they're really good at making sure that we yeah. have the right amount of stuff. And we're not going to just have things laying around here that aren't moving. If things don't move, we clear them out, make room for things that we think are going to move. Yeah. So we try hard there. Um, they've gotten pretty good at it as so, the years have gone on. It's a lot of time and energy that goes into just managing inventory yeah. correctly. Because that's all money sitting back there. Like we're not sure. going to, we can't just keep spending and like adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff until it all sells. Like, no, like we got to, yeah. We well, gotta, yeah. It's like it's gotta be a, you know, y'all have to sick, want it. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> we're not here to just like collect a warehouse full of pens for no reason. No, you know, it's gotta be something you want. So we have like certain goals for how quickly we're trying to, you know, turn over certain products and stuff like that. And granted, we're not like selling, you know, goods that expire per se. Like ink, yeah, we don't want to hang on to ink for years just because. It's not that it expires necessarily, but, you know, we want to keep that stuff sort of fresh. But pens, they don't really go bad or anything. So it's no. like they can sit there forever. But, you know, it just doesn't really do anybody good for us to sit on a bunch of But every items. item that we have, we also understand how long it takes for yeah. an, for them all to sell out and be restocked. Every single yeah. one. We know how long it takes for them all to sell through. What's the term for that? Uh, uh, turnover. Turnover. Yeah. yeah. So we, we have turnover rates on mm-hmm. all of our products. We pay very close attention to that. Mm-hmm. And we, in doing that, we have a pretty good idea of colors that may not be super popular, you know, materials, lots of different things. So that when we do evaluate new products, if we are going to pick up a new pen model, for example, and it comes in five colors and, you know, maybe it's not a, maybe it's a newer brand that we're not like super sure about, but we're going to give it a shot. But of the five initial offerings, there's a yellow one and a white one. Probably not going to pick up those. Yeah. Probably going to skip on the yellow and skip on the white because we know that traditionally those are the weakest sellers. Yeah. And maybe we will if it's a particular type of white or particular type of yellow or reds. Reds is one of those that traditionally doesn't do well, but if it's the right red. Reds and greens can be very hit or miss. Yeah, that's Oranges true. too. Yeah, so it has to be the yeah. right one. But like we pay attention to all that. We do our best. It's not mm-hmm. an exact science, but we yeah. do have we do try to use our data to inform our decisions and, yeah. you know, the inventory side of things. Yeah. And then, you know, there might also be, a, you know, especially if you're looking at anything that's made in a different country, you know, which most fountain pen products are not made in the U.S. Um, some of what you may see online might be models that are not brought into the oh, yeah. U.S. at all or colors that are not brought into the U.S. There are lots of those. Or it could be a retailer exclusive somewhere else, you know. So there may be things that literally just are not accessible to us for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Or it could be, you know, some limited or special edition from years past that we sold through, but other retailers still have, you know, that can happen too. So it's like, in effect, that's kind of like something that's maybe discontinued. Yeah. Um, there's just old stock, old, maybe not that old, but still old stock kind of sitting there. So yeah, it could be a number of reasons, but we're, we're always open to it. Like you can always email our team, um, reach out and just be like, Hey, I'm looking for this. Do y'all have it? Can you get it? Is anything, you know, cause we do generally pay attention to that or even just like leaving comments on YouTube and stuff like that. You know, we are meeting on a weekly basis about new products and stuff like that. And if there is a groundswell of interest around particular products or things like that, we will give them a second look for sure. We'll always talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's something we're very intentional about. I'll say that. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Um, Third question this week is from, I'm going to say Dr. Nimish 333. Sure. How to fix the scratchy nib mm. at home. Mm. Any tips? Mm-hmm. The scratchy nib, Brian. Hopefully your nibs have tips. 
Ah, uh, hurdy, 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 hurdy. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be tipped. That is the thing. That's true. But untipped nibs will generally not hold up as long. Um, yes. Insert disclaimer here. Anything that you're doing with your own nib work is going to be pretty much avoiding all manufacturing warranty stuff. So you're going to be on your own doing any of this kind of stuff, um, except maybe some slight adjustment if it seems off, if you don't do anything too crazy. But if you're talking about actually like smoothing or grinding or anything like that, n- no one is going to keep that warranty because you've altered the product. Yeah, keep in mind, anytime you take your nib tip to an abrasive, even if it's something seemingly soft like micromash or a little buff stick, you are removing material from your nib. You, Even if it doesn't seem like it, I know you're not grinding away with sandpaper, but that's what it is. You are removing material. Yeah. So the second you start removing material is the second your warranty yeah. is void. That's why we like... We, we sort of like cautiously carry some like nib, nib tuning supplies yeah. on our site because it is a it is a very delicate place to be, um, especially for us as like an authorized retailer. We got to be careful about how we talk about these things. So anyway, all that disclaimer stuff there. You know, if you're working on a pen that's like out of warranty or it's secondhand or it's whatever, you know, then go nuts. It's all it's all yours or yeah. if you just are fine with taking it into your own hands. Cool. Um, so first thing I'll note is that there is a difference between toothy and scratchy. Important distinction. Yes. Which doesn't mean that you can't alter that to make it smoother. I mean, if it's toothy and not necessarily scratchy and you just want it to be smoother, that's totally fixable. Like you can definitely do that. It's only toothy and scratchy if someone is literally biting you. (laughs) And scratching you. No, no, no. Scratching you with their teeth, Brian. Is that technically a if bite? Someone scratch, a if someone's scratching you with their teeth. I think that's considered a bite. I agree. Is that a bite and a scratch, though? It doesn't feel good. I've never thought about this because it's not a scenario that often comes up. In well, when you least expect it. Life. Oh, boy. I'm going to hire some biting <laughs> like ninjas a, to attack like you. Um, okay. Well, all seriousness back in play here. Um, so, yeah, just keep that in mind. If we're talking about like a, a pen that is performing as intended just not as smooth as you'd like we'll, we'll talk about how to address that because that basically is like some of the latter steps of what you would do to fix a scratchy nib so i'm going to focus a little more on scratchy since that's what you actually asked about and then we'll talk about the smoothing um so there's a couple of helpful tools you know if you don't have these tools around your house it, it's going to be tougher to do because you're just working with something very small very fine so yes, you can do this at home, but you might have to get some special supplies that you don't already have on hand. Um, so one of them is a loop of some kind. You may have one from some other reason, a jeweler's loop, or we sell these little loops. Um, so that's really helpful to inspect your actual work. Um, we sell some micro mesh. It's like this little gray sheet, almost feels like leather. Yeah. It's a very fine abrasive. Um, and then we sell even finer abrasives of mylar paper. These are not as necessary. Like you, unless you like really smooth nibs, you probably don't even need to mess very much with mylar yeah. paper. But it is also an abrasive technique. I, I personally never use mylar. I've just used micro mesh. I will use mylar because I like things to be very smooth. I like a little bit of texture. Um, and then we don't sell these. Probably could. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We just never sourced them out. But you can get these almost anywhere. It's, it's literally just like a nail buffing stick. Like you can get it at any cosmetics section or drugstore or whatever, grocery store. Um, so it's a it's a nail buffing stick, but it has different levels of abrasive on it. 
uh, the gray, the gray part. And they'll, sometimes they'll be different colors. Sometimes they'll be white and pink and gray and whatever. Um, so this particular one that I have, I've had it for years and I've clearly like used it. It's got ink on it and stuff. Oh yeah. I, I use mine. <laughs> my, my, you can't see any more gray. No, really? No, it's just, yeah, all which is fine. Um, so yeah, the, the gray part here is literally micro mesh. It's like the same grit as this. So you, probably don't even need this. If and you that is 15,000, right? Uh, 12,000. 12,000, okay. But the 12,000 grit, it's not necessarily the same grit as other like sandpaper or like stuff like that. I don't know. Micro mesh is kind of on its own it's a scale. different measurement, yeah. But it's a very, 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 very fine abrasive. Um, and then this one has a white and a black. The black is the most aggressive. I almost never use the black because that's, yeah, that's for like, like sandpaper. That's like reshaping. Yeah. It's very aggressive. The white, I've used a little bit more. That's that's more helpful for getting out like a scratchy, scratchy kind of nib thing. So, okay. So those are the tools. It's really not, you really don't need much more than that. Unless you're going to be like grinding. Like if you want to take a nib and make it into a stub or something like that, you can technically just do that by hand. But it's going to take you a while. Um, usually that's done with some sort of abrasive wheel or disc or something like that. We're not talking about that. Then now you're talking into like nib, actual nib grinding work. That's a whole other level. Um, so really it's just like, if you're not trying to alter your nib size or change the shape or anything like that, you just want to get it to write smoother again. These are all the tools you need. Um, so first thing you want to do before you do any nib, you know, tweaking at all is you want to make sure that your tines are aligned. You always got to check the alignment first. And that's why Drew has these little styrofoam ball halves. Yeah. Um, got these at the craft store to demonstrate this exact thing. Yeah. More often than not, if you're dealing with a scratchy nib, it's because it's misaligned. And a great way to define that is by dragging it from left to right on the paper. And if one side, if it's if it's scratchy from left to right, but not the other way, or vice versa, that usually means that one tine is lower than the other, mm -hmm. um, like you this get, right here. Yeah, you get like that so, inside edge right. of so the tip. So right now, if this nib is going across the paper that way, this part right here is going to be just grinding down into the paper. and But if you go the other way with it, yeah, if you it's going to feel way fine it, because it's yeah. rounded on that side. That way is going to yeah. be super smooth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, same thing with this one. So what you do in that case is you really just can, this is probably the only thing you can do uh, with your fingers and no loop is, you yeah. know, a fix like this. You can just if you, if you take... Have, if you have decent enough eyesight, yeah, you, you can, can just take can this, visibly, yeah. take the tip here and push it down. You know, you kind of got to balance it if it's uh, steel or gold. Always got to balance it. You know, yeah. you might not you need gotta, to like, overcorrect it. A yeah, little you kind of push it down to here and see where it springs down. Push it down to here, see where it mm -hmm. springs, and eventually it's going to start coming back. You know, and it'll even out. Yeah. Um. You do try to press down more than you know pulling. You want to take the uh, good one and bring it down rather than the bad one and bring it up. Um. You can do a little bit of both, but what you want to avoid is moving the tines yeah, away you don't, you from don't the want, feed. You don't want it to be like, end up yeah. doing this, because then it can break the flow. The feed is your shoes. friend. You want to make yeah. sure that the nib stays mated up with yeah. the feed. But so eventually, we, you'll get it uh, to be this nice, lovely round shape that it is intended to be. Yeah. Now, one little asterisk next to this is that don't just look at a nib, and if you see it slightly off, assume that that is bad. Right. Because... Every now and then, if it's ground while it's misaligned, it can still write just fine, even mm -hmm. if it looks like it's misaligned. Really let the symptoms tell the story. Don't just um, take it at face value. Yeah. A lot of nib work is based on feel, not just how it looks. Yeah. But if it's an egregiously like visual error, then that's 
probably yeah gonna, like obviously this is not going to write well like right. no chance but especially with gold nibs because gold nibs have some more flexibility to them if there is a slight misalignment and that's the only thing a lot of times just the pressure from you writing will actually bring down you know the tine and it'll it'll yeah. feel perfectly smooth i mean ideally you know if you take it to a professional even the most slight misalignment will get corrected yeah, but I if do. it's but if it's ground while it's misaligned they'll need to do a couple extra steps in addition to that so that's mm -hmm. not what we're talking about here today we're talking about stuff yeah. you can do at home and as far as that goes let the symptoms dictate yeah. what you do to fix it. Yeah. So when I'm adjusting something like in that kind of situation, again, I usually don't even need to use a loop. Sometimes I will just to check it, but I'll kind of hold the pen in my hands like this and I'll just like stare straight into the nib. And then I'll just use my eyes and I'll just kind of take my thumb and I'll either like bend up, if it's going to be gentle, Drew just said to bend down, uh, but you can bend down too. So you can just- It's easier know, to bend up. I, it's definitely know. easier to bend up and I tend to do that more myself. But you can you can use your best judgment. You can do a little. Um, I like to do a little bit of both. Yeah. So you can just kind of stare right at it, and you can usually see if it's aligned enough. It's hard when it's a really really fine nib size. If it's like an extra fine or a fine, it's going to be tougher. Whereas if you have a broad, the tipping is going to be bigger. It's easier to visually see. That's where the loop can really help you a lot. Um, and you literally just you know kind of hold up to the loop. You look straight at it, and you can see. Oh, okay, it's aligned or it's not. But keep in mind, even if you're pointing it right at your eye, you're not writing with that part of the pen. You True. know, depending on your angle, you're writing with one of the lower points of the writing True. pad. So just keep that in mind yeah. when you're assessing your tipping material. Yeah, so there, there is a point called the writing pad that if you hold the pen around a 45 degree angle, that's generally where most people hold the pen. You know, if the writing surface is here, the pen's at this angle. Where the tip needs to be the smoothest is right, you know, at that point. So the easiest way to check that it's kind of weird, but you you turn the pen so that the nib is facing, the face of the nib is facing towards you, and then you bend it about 45 degrees. So it's sort of like the inverse of if you were writing, you flip it that way, and then you look at it with a loop that way. So then you're sort of staring kind of across that, that writing pad, if that makes any sense. It's kind of hard visually. So I'll end up having- Yeah, sorry, nib. podcast listeners. Yeah, we're trying to describe it in such a way that makes sense, but whatever. Um, so then I can look at it and I can see that writing pad and the align you can check the alignment that way. Okay, so once you've got your alignment is good and you're kind of writing on paper and it still feels a little scratchy, well, there's a couple of things that could be causing that. One is um, it could just not be smoothed, you know, just overall to your liking, uh, in which case you would then use your little buff stick here. Um, probably, you know, personally, I... I'm more inclined to start with the smoothest grit and then go back because if you start, you know, with a more aggressive grit, then you have to go through all the steps to make it smooth again. Whereas if you start with the gray or like a micro mesh. And you, you know, never really know how little it might take. It's just, it's it usually it, doesn't take a lot. It might surprise you. Even if it feels really bad, just, just see if a little bit on yeah. the most gentle abrasive will help. And if it does, yeah, that's best case scenario, isn't, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like always check for the best case scenario and yeah. then go more severe if you need to. Yeah. Um, so the thing you don't want to do is just start going nuts and, you know, making all these huge movements and stuff. Um, because a lot of times if it's a scratch, it's usually just like a tiny little nick or it's just a little spot that could be causing that scratch. And if you go and smooth it around the whole thing, you could end up kind of changing the shape of that or you could or end if up you go, having some unintended consequences. If you go really, really bad, you can start taking your nib 
and just grinding it on yeah. the abrasive, grinding it, grinding it, grinding it, grinding it, grinding it. <laughs> and then one day, <laughs> is this is what your nib looks like because you've completely sheared off the whole yeah. front of it because you were too aggressive with your grinding. Yeah, that, that can happen. We've seen that. Yeah, I recommend starting this with like inexpensive pens you don't care about as much. Steel nibs are a little easier to practice on than gold nibs for this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, so a couple of things. It could be like the general overall kind of shape, like the ball of the nib, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But I find that oftentimes what happens when there's scratchiness, if you check the alignment and all that, Usually what happens, if you think about when you when you first make, when you're making a nib, okay? So you've got your nib, you're welding the tip onto the nib, and then this is like the manufacturing process. And then they have this disc like wheel that comes through and cuts through the tipping and through the slit of the nib. And then all the handwork and stuff is done to like tune and shape that tip of the nib. And the alignment and all that stuff is kind of checked in there. Well, if you are smoothing and making this all nice and round and beautiful, you're still gonna have kind of a sharp little inside edge here. So in the manufacturing Just process- Just like you would with wood. Yeah, exactly. Just like if you're making a piece of furniture and you have these like crisp cuts and you make this furniture and it's got like these razor sharp edges to it, that's not good because you can actually like cut yourself on the and edge. And a lot of the, of the times where you gotta you're- You gotta like round that over a little bit. Yeah, and if you ever saw it anything, you know, when you start your cut, it looks nice and clean, but then when you exit your cut, things are gnarly. It can be, yeah. It can be. So the, the step- that perhaps could have been missed in manufacturing or maybe just like a, didn't get quite done all the way is just to, to round over that tiny little bit on the inside bottom of each of the tips of the nib. So it's, it's a little nuanced here, but I've found that more often than not, that might fix any scratchiness that I come across. So the way to address that, and it's especially easier if you have a buff stick, if you have just a floppy micro mesh sheet you can still do it, but it gets a little tougher because it's so floppy. Um, so you take just your your gray like micro mesh part, um, the part that you're wanting to, you know, if you got your two halves of the nib and it's feeling, say for example, it's feeling scratchy when it goes left to right. So you know that it's the left inside part that's scratching. What I would do is I would bend down, I would use my finger and I would bend down that tine, that left tine, and then I would take that and I would just do the slightest little nick on the inside. Really doesn't take much, just a little flick onto it. And then I would try it on the paper again and see if that got it. Probably eight times out of 10, that is probably gonna get it from like a new pen that's not like been used over time and stuff like that. That might get it because it might just be a little bit of that inside edge that needs to be rounded. Now, if you do that too much, that's where you can get what's called baby's bottom, right? So you don't wanna overdo it, but try doing that slight little nicking. Now, if you have um, you know, any other type of work, if you've you know, had to more aggressively grind it, or if you don't like how toothy it feels and you wanna make the overall nib smoother, and you, you try doing that little inside nicking and it still is just feeling too toothy, too grabby, that's where you know, the overall kind of smoothing process comes in. So you can do this with a buff stick or the micro mesh sheet. And uh, basically what you wanna do, it helps if the nib is actually inked because the ink will help to sort of lubricate because um, you're actually grinding away just a tiny bit of metal, but it'll actually work a little more smooth and more consistently if it's, if it's wet. Let so, me also interrupt and say that it's also helpful because you need to be testing this a lot. Yeah. Anytime you're working with any of these steps that we've outlined, 
do a tiny bit and test. Yeah. Do a tiny bit and test. And when it's inked up, you'll have a much better indication of what it's actually going to feel like. Because if it's dry, you might think it's scratchier than it actually will end up being. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you may go through some of the steps and then you try it on the page and you're like, this feels exactly like I want it to. And you stop. You don't need to keep going. So that's why it's really good to constantly be testing as you're doing each step, like Drew mentioned. Even... even like if it's pretty good, you know, leave it alone. Stop. Don't ever do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. How pretty, frustrating is that? How oh, many nibs have uh, you tried? So uh, many. I'm like, oh, I can make this a little bit better. So and then many. I do more stuff and it makes it worse. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so many. Leave it to the <laughs> it professionals. Happens. Yeah. There's an element of learning curve and frustration that is inherent with doing nib work. Don't be discouraged by that. It's just a part of the process. So get it to where you're happy with it and stop. Um, so yes, the most important thing when you're actually doing the smoothing, you don't use a lot of pressure, right? You really only use as much pressure as like the weight of the pen, you know, because the more pressure you give, the more aggressively it's going to grind. And especially if you're using a, a buff stick or a micro mesh sheet like this, it's not rock solid firm. You know, there's a little bit of give to it. It's kind of a little cushioned pad. So if you're digging into it, you're actually going to be like, kind of you know shaping away more of the material you, than you even intend you also don't want to press too hard because if you are using a gold nib or something with even a little bit of flex to it you could end up opening up those tines and doing exactly what brian was describing baby's bottom and rounding type of stuff, rounding yeah. out the inside of your tines which yeah. is going to just ruin your flow yeah you don't want to do that um so again just gentle you can do a figure eight pattern you don't necessarily have to the key is you want to just make sure that you're getting um even coverage around that nib tip. So, um, you know, you're just gonna kind of move it back and forth. You wanna, you wanna rotate it, you know, side to side. You wanna move it up and down. You wanna just, you know, you do small movements, but you just wanna make sure that you're getting good coverage kind of around the whole general shape of that nib. And, you know, do that a little bit, test it, do a little bit more, test it. Um, and then that generally is gonna get you to where you wanna be. Just, just with the micro mesh, you know, I would say, you know, if you think about, you know, sailor nibs, I think of Edison nibs because I know Edison is known for being like smooth with a hint of feedback as the language that Brian Gray uses. Um, that's what the micro mesh is going to get you. Very smooth, very consistent, not glassy smooth though. If you want to go smoother, you can with the micro mesh um, or sorry, the mylar paper. Um, we have two grits of it. The green one is the less aggressive or sorry, more aggressive. The white one is even smoother. It's like what is it, one micron and 0.3 micron or something crazy like that? So, so thin. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel like abrasive at all. Um, that's why they're different colors. You can tell the difference between them at all. Um, so this, you don't have to do like a full figure eight kind of thing though, because you've already done all the shaping and all the general stuff that you need to there. This, all you're really trying to do is just get that little last little touch of it. So really all you need to do is kind of just like touch it onto there and then like just give it a little flick. Just a little flick kind of away. Give that a couple times and then try it on there. You don't need to go nuts on this material because it's so fine anyway. Just little flicks and then do that on the white if you want to go even smoother. And then by then, if you've done it right, it's going to be the smoothest nib you've ever used in your life. So <laughs> um, that's basically the process. Did we cover everything there, Drew? I think so. Okay. Sorry if it visually wasn't the most compelling thing in the world. We probably could do a more detailed video on that in the future if we wanted to, but... Um, there's some good videos. Stephen Brown's got some good videos um, out there with nib tuning and stuff like that. There's others that have done it, but it's it's something 
a lot of people in the fountain pen world are a little hesitant to do because there are so many variables and it's so difficult to show in video the super tight detail you're trying to do. So I don't know. We've never like tackled it head on, but. I'll also say that um, one great thing about the current fountain pen industry and its community is that we have more nib specialists and technicians available to True. us than we've ever had before. I mean, True. not since, you know, I guess the golden age of fountain pens. Anyway, we've got yeah. a lot of folks that are very qualified to take care of you. And I would say on behalf of them, if you are at all concerned or hesitant, don't try it yourself first, because that can sometimes make it harder for them to work their magic. Mm. So just take that into account as well. We've got a lot of folks out there that would be happy to, uh, make your pen perfect for you that have a ton of experience in that. Yeah. And another thing too, if you ever find yourself at a pen show, pretty much every pen show will have somebody working nibs. Yeah. You can generally just kind of lurk at their table and see what they're doing. I wouldn't advise like not like in an annoying way. Oh, <laughs> just don't definitely don't do that. But if you're curious as to their process, I you can they, sort of hang back a little bit and just watch like what <clears throat> tools they're using, what techniques do they use? You know, and, yeah. and they're always happy to answer questions. Too, so yeah, just, yeah. just don't be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on. We've got a question from businessman 912. Very official here. Hmm, businessman. Which amount of pens is an ideal balance between practicality? For example, you're not straining to give all your pens the love they deserve like me and variation, i.e. you're not confounded to one nib size, color, etc. Okay. So where's that perfect balance, Drew? It's at 10, Brian. Oh. 10 pens is, is what it you now? need. Yes, that's what you need. You're that? 10 pens you're is that the number. certain about it. Absolutely. There are some great 10 pen cases. Mm. They're, oh, okay. They're easy to, it's easy to confine. It just makes sense. 10, 10 pens. That's what you need. Mm. Um, I could absolutely live with 10 pens. Yeah? Uh-huh. That would be really tough. If it I would. Do. Now, I could do it. I could now, do it. Now, what I'm going to describe, I'm, I'm going to describe 10 use cases for each of your 10 pens. This is not how I would build my 10 collection because I don't care okay. about capacity, but I'm going to outline okay. a general, like this is how a 10 pen system could work for you. Okay. This is like a doomsday prepper, you know, pack of pens. Yeah. Yeah. In a you way, know, in a way. Need, if you need to cover all your bases. I think so. Okay. so I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So pen number one, um, a, High capacity pen, vac filler, piston, internal piston for journaling. And for journaling, I say that because you don't want to put a crazy nib on this. Some a fine, you yeah, know, a very pretty a, conventional. A, yeah, pretty conventional nib. Okay. But for journaling, this is gonna be your high capacity pen you can write a long time with hmm. that's gonna have a consistent flow. What, pen, what capacity are you thinking as a high capacity? Anything with an internal like a piston or a vacuum. Anything with an basically? internal reservoir. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, second pen is also a capacity pen. So again, another internal reservoir, but this time high ink output, something that's going to be fun. If you want to really just, just splosh your ink all over the page, if you've got something really fun, you want to show off, you know, a high capacity pen with a broad or a stub or something just that's going to just flex maybe, maybe. Yeah. Something that's just going to ooze the ink out. Like mm. you can just have a good old party. So maybe some like those pens that are um, great for, you know, chromo shading or high sheen, but you yeah. really only get it when you put a ton of ink down, yeah, yeah. but even shading to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but sometimes you don't want to do that in a pen with a little tiny con 40 in there because you're going to, your party use the ink quickly. Yeah. yeah. Your party is going to be over before it starts. So <laughs> this is going to be your fun capacity pen. Okay. And then number three is going to be a Kakamori dip nib for your swabbing and testing inks. You know, just if you're going to only mm. have 10 pens, having that in your Or pen, glass pen. Glass could have been going to be the same purpose, but. No, it's not as durable. 
Yeah, it's true. And yeah. not consistent. Also, on the, we're, we're all handmade. We're, we're, putting so this, like, we're putting these in a pen case, Brian. This is going to be cl- yeah, the glass clanking pen around is, with everything yeah, else. Yeah, glass pen nah. is definitely not durable. Leave your glass pen yeah. somewhere else. We're going to go with Kakamori. Okay. Um, and then hot, a... Uh, hot take. Drew thinks Kakamori is better than glass pens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just durability. Yeah, I've broken I, so many glass pens, Brian. Yeah, you broken, know that. I've broken some too, yeah. I feel strongly about this. Yeah, fair enough. Um, pen number four is going to be your pocket pen. Do whatever you want there. It's going to be a pocket pen, so you're probably going to be carrying it around. You want to have a mm. more or less conventional nib size on that one, but something that can be easily pocketable. Mm. Um, so when you're going to your fancy event and you don't have your normal purse, you have your little clutch, mm. you need a clutch pen. And again, any pen will fit in a clutch. But you get what I'm saying. Mm. You get it. Uh, if you're assembling in a carport and you need something in your right. cargo pants, right. there you go. Shorts, cargo shorts. That's right. Or um, pants. Could be pants too. You know, you need you need a hammer that a fountain pen can unscrew from the bottom of it. That way you can put it in your hammer loop. Always have a fountain pen ready to go instead I'd of be a- into that. <laughs> I'd be into that. I would I would be into a multi-tool that has a fountain pen incorporated Speaking into it. Speaking of nonsensical <laughs> ways to use your fountain pen, my number five fountain pen is going to be your expendable fountain pen. So this hmm. is going to be your pen that A, you might not care about losing. B you are not going to be hesitant to let somebody at work borrow this mm. and have them either try to just pull off a threaded cap mm-hmm. or shove too hard this on the should, tines. This should have a snap cap. It should not be a threaded cap. Great idea. Because most people that aren't familiar with fountain pens are going to pull exactly. the pen apart So first. I'm thinking Safari, Preppy, Explorer, Varsity, Metropolitan, Varsity. Varsity yeah. is like perfect for this. Something that's expendable. Something yeah. that if you if you want to take this to you know a particular airport, you don't know if you know so, so you swipe would if be it good gets for this, lost. Right? Yeah, swipe absolutely. Mm-hmm. So something that if it gets lost, stolen, ruined by a silly coworker, you're not going to lose sleep over it. You can replace it. So number five is your expendable pen. Number six is going to be your fancy pen. So this is just a pen that, well, even if it's not fancy, something that if you buy a house and you want to, you know, write, you know, sign your lease with something memorable, yeah. it's nice to have a pen that you're like, okay, I'm going to use my special pen. Or like job interviews or it could be going to a bank, it could be get a, a bank loan or it could whatever. be a $100 pen or a $10,000 pen, whatever, any, whatever special to you. But you know, you're, you're special. Maybe it's you don't job. use this all the time. Well, expensive means a lot of things to a lot of people. True. Um, and number seven is going to be your soft nib for fun writing. So whether or not you want a pen with a you know heavy degree of line variation or something like the E95S that if you just wanted to make one final swipe at, d- during your signature, you can get a little bit. But something that's just a little bit more fun to write with, something that is going to give you some balance, a little bit more excitement. Maybe you can put a little bit of line variation in there while you're writing. It's good to have a fun, fun pen like that. Do you classify flex nibs here? Like, yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be flex, but just well, something. I say soft nib because flex is you. You would classify flex as soft. Modern flex equals soft in More less, a, mo- yeah. a lot of people's definitions. So Fair I'm just going to say enough. soft. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, anything with some balance or some variation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, I'm going to go with my Japanese extra fine for bad paper. I know a lot of folks do not like Japanese extra fine, so I'm a little biased here. I love them. But even if you don't like them, you can find a Japanese extra fine that isn't scratchy. Um, there are now toothy is what I should say. They're not scratchy. Vanishing point extra fine is one of my favorites, but it you do feel it. Like it makes noises on the paper. It doesn't feel good. But I love it. I love it. Probably my favorite extra fine. Um, but uh, there are other ones that do feel more conventionally mm-hmm. better. But my 
thing is, and you can go with the Japanese fine too. What I'm getting at is if you're out and about and you don't have access to good fountain pen friendly paper, having a very, very fine nib is not the worst thing in the world because it does, you know, put a good ink in there that doesn't feather a whole lot. It's going yeah. to be more applicable to a wider variety sure. of paper surfaces. So it's good to have one of those in the arsenal as well. Yeah. And um, rounding out number nine here is going to be your everyday pen or your quick draw pen, something that you can apply to a very versatile set of circumstances, whether it be note taking or journaling or anything that uh, your everyday might throw at you. Something that maybe I'm just going to target. I probably won't need a fountain pen, but I'm going to bring this one just in case. I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So just a good all around pen. And then uh, finally, I'm going to put in a Retro 51 Rollerball here at number 10. It's not a fountain pen. What? But sometimes... Well, neither is a Kakamori. No, but sometimes a fountain pen, you know, is not the ideal choice. I know that's crazy, but... What are you talking about? We wouldn't sell... Sacrilege. We wouldn't sell as many Retro 51s if that weren't the case. So it, one... I, I think it's an accepted pen yeah, absolutely. in the fountain pen community. But yeah. let's, let's say, like, the, the worst thing is getting stuck admitting that a rollerball is the best choice for right now and having to settle for something with no personality. If I'm going to get stuck with a rollerball, it's going to be my rollerball that's going to be fun and it's going to have personality and I'm going to have a connection to it because it was the one that I picked out because it got a spaceship on it or something like that. It's going to be cool. I have too many pens at my disposal for me never to write with something that, for me to write with something that has no personality. That shouldn't happen. If Fair that enough. happens to me, I've done something wrong. Yeah. There's no excuse for that for me anyway. So there you go. That's my 10. Wow. It's very thought out. Yeah, I agree with this. I I, I did not go as thorough on this answer, but it's your question anyway. Yeah, yeah, so you don't need to. I said probably 10 to 20. I feel like I could narrow it down to 10 if I had to. Yeah. But 20 would be more fun. 30 I think, would be even more fun. I think for in 20, you could have you know a lot of the same things with some repeats. Yeah. You or know, you, could you could have, have some, a couple quick draw pens in there. Or you could have some pens that like, in terms of serving a purpose, but would aesthetically serve some different needs too. Sure. Because then you get into like different materials that you like, or, you know, kind of like you said, having like fun pens. There's some different designs, different colors, things like that, that you might find really interesting. So I could see, I could see expanding a little bit beyond that if you wanted to just kind of for your own aesthetic needs. But yeah, I feel like 10 would pretty much cover a lot of bases. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel like you could probably even mix and match some of these. Like you could get a Japanese extra fine on your pocket pen 100%. or your expendable pen. So Brian recommends going with fewer than 10. I recommend. Combining them, going down to five. If you really wanted to, you could. You could. Do I want to have like <laughs> a super thin scratchy nib on my like fancy pen? Probably not, but you could, you know, if you really had to. So... Yeah, but you know, I am not the model for limiting your pen acquisition in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. So that's why I left it up to Drew on this one. But yeah, all right, all right. Final Next question. Um, <coughs> this is this from, one's got a nice. This one's got a nice, clear, easy answer and a nice, clear, easy mm. name too. Yeah. Um, there you go. So this per this person asks why a perfect fountain pen doesn't exist. Is it because the manufacturers don't want to make one? Clearly. 
It's a conspiracy. They there we want go. To make, they want to make subpar pens so that you always want more. The fountain pen right? industry is trying to kill the fountain pen industry. Exactly. They That's hate how it. it works. Yeah, they're not passionate about it at all. No, they're in, they're just in it for all the money that just they make. The, it's big pen. All oh, big oh, pen. The is tons just... of money they make in the fountain pen industry. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Pilot making um, money hand over fist. You know, the the the, the G twos just like they do the G twos for fun. They really make their money on the explorers and the metros. Well, so it's interesting. I actually have a different take on this. I think that it does exist. I think that every you think, manu- the, you think the perfect fountain pen exists. I think that every manufacturer makes what they think is the perfect pen. Ah, you've dealt with enough manufacturers and you know suppliers and stuff like that. They are all trying to make the best pens that they can make. They have a very different perspective because they know how difficult it is to make pens. So for them, they deal in a world of constraints and they're trying to overcome as many of those constraints as possible to make the most perfect pen possible in their eyes. So I think that most fountain pen makers are making, now not everyone is gonna, they're not all gonna think that like every pen they make is the perfect pen. But like most of the people we know who are really passionate, you know, especially like, those who are like been in it a long time, they're a very heavy hand in the design and manufacture. A lot of them will have like a favorite pen that they've designed at some point that they think was like the perfect pen that they ever made. That even they maybe they even had to stop making it at one point because the material wasn't available or there was some environmental regulation that impacted its ability to be manufactured or who knows. But um, I would say that that, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek. But yeah, I think a lot of manufacturers do try to make what they think is a perfect pen. Um, but I don't think this is actually achievable because there is no one perfect pen. Like there's your real answer there. Um, because none of us can all agree on what makes a pen perfect. Even just between Drew and I, we have we have a lot of overlap in pens we like, but we have very different opinions on certain parts of the pens. Like you're, if you had to pick one perfect pen, it would probably have like a Japanese extra fine on it, wouldn't it? And mine would not. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, we would have different opinions about it. I don't, I don't pen. even know what I would consider to be close to the perfect what would be pen. Your perfect, what, like, would, what would your perfect pen be, Drew? It, it doesn't yet exist, I don't think. <gasps> have you ever come across? What's come closest? It, you know, you've got like the writing experience of the E95 and like overall, like, you know, capping it, posting it, traveling with it in use. I mm-hmm. love it. I hate the converter and I hate the fact that I can't mm. fully disassemble the nib. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's close, but the, like, I love that pen so much and it's still the 2000, yeah. like, I don't yeah. like the, 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 um, I, I think the the disassembly is a huge drawback to that pen. Um, the lack of disassembly. The lack of, of the disassembly. Yeah. yeah. And then the vanishing point, the same way. It's got too many parts that I can't take apart. Mm. Um, and then you, but then you get the most, the more simple ones and they just lack that personality. They mm. lack that excitement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a give and take. So it, <sighs> You know, one could say that perfection <clears throat> is unachievable. In you the could, pen and world. It, it's almost like the more <laughs> you know, the less perfect something can be because your tastes get more and more specific as you go further down the rabbit hole. That is interesting, right? Like what can feel like the perfect thing, just like you have a grail pen, and then when you get it, you're yeah. like, mm, you start like side eyeing some yeah. other pen. You're like, I try mm, to, I try that to be that one is a new grail. Pen, and you, you, know? you, you can be that way with any fandom or any oh, hobby. The, the sure. deeper you go, the more critical you become. So it's very healthy mm-hmm. to step out of that from time to time so that you can appreciate more things. Mm. And I try to do that. And it's helpful to talk to customers so often because so many people have given me insight that they have 
have that then I can adopt. Mm. And it helps me keep a very healthy perspective mm. and a less, I, and I keep a critical eye for the customer, for the consumer. I try to keep a less critical eye for me. And I just I love everything, but then love some things more. Yeah. And you can say the same thing about Star Wars, for example, like so many people just love to hate on certain movies. Oh, that's like such a classic example of like the biggest Star Wars critics are like the hardcore Star Wars exactly. fans, right? So <laughs> I could very well fall into that. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pull back and just look at these things like I was a kid. Mm. When I was a kid, we had three Star Wars movies. I would have done anything yeah. to have the amount of Star Wars content that we have today. And that's what I do. I put myself in that mindset and I look at all of it and I'm like, this is the greatest point of mankind. So, and if you do that, you just, you can appreciate things so much more. So in a way, every they're all perfect because they're all fountain pens and they're still around and they're still being Aww. made. Like yeah, they, sure. fountain pens very well could have died by now. They shouldn't still exist. <laughs> no, like being honest so, with ourselves. Like if you really wanted to step back, they're, like they're we should right. all just be celebrating that it's still a thing. <laughs> they are what I would think you could, classify as functionally obsolete yeah they have been replaced many times over with other more efficient tools vinyl records are still being made so hooray for that but like, you know these are all joyous things people still you know restore antique typewriters and there's people that are into all kinds of you know, there's people that collect cars from the early 1900s like why does that exist why do you have old cars they're not necessary you just love them yeah. and you love things about them. So obviously we're sold on fountain pens. I'm not trying to say that they don't matter, but you know, I don't know that like perfection should be the goal. You know, it's just, and, and it's so subjective and it's so personal. Like what's the, what would you say is like the perfect food? I don't know. Like it's a matter of the waffle taste. A waffle is pretty, the waffle. pretty good, pretty good one. I don't know. I think the pancake might be uh, more perfect. No, Brian. <laughs> no, it is the waffle. I'm a little more team. You pancake. could even, you could have the perfect pen, and you could put just the crappy, chunky, weird ink in there, and then like, ah, oh, this pen sucks. You know, so mm -hmm. there's yeah. so many, there's so many factors. Um, or like, what's the perfect vehicle? What's the perfect pet? The perfect pair of Pembroke shoes. Pembroke Corgi. Okay. <laughs> Says the guy with three of them. Uh, the perfect pair of shoes, the perfect chair, like Converse All-Star. Literally. <laughs> See? Drew's got opinions. <laughs> we should just listen to Drew. He clearly has the best taste for all of us. Um, but what's perfect for one person isn't perfect for another. So it's impossible to make the perfect pen, you know, for any manufacturer. But, you know, we all have per perfect preferences as well as aesthetics and style, which will change over time. I think that's a really interesting point you brought up, Drew. What you think is perfect and is perfect for you might be different three or five years from now because you're going to change. So I wouldn't worry so much about what's perfect. I think the perfect thing is the pen that you enjoy using the most, whatever makes you the most happy. That also, perfect pen. I think we need to say that the pen companies are not purposefully not making the perfect pen like they're no. doing they're doing their best they're bound by constraints yeah they're doing their best if they if they they're doing a, a lot of the companies really there might be some companies out there that don't care about making the perfect pen a lot of the companies that we deal with anyway very much care yeah like i would say all of the companies that we distribute you know absolutely care so mm -hmm. um they're trying their best so um you know Support them. Support the ones you think are getting closest. <laughs> yeah. Lamy 2000 is pretty close, though. I gotta admit. <laughs> they made a Demonstrator 2000. There you go. 
blue tinted demonstrator 2000 that would be perfect be that great. has a removable piston i would i would i will say that you don't have to remove it like i've had mine for you know no, 10 I'm, years now and i haven't like, i've never removed any of them. i've never been sad that i couldn't do it but no. i mean i am sad that i can't do it just because i want to i want I, to do I, it. Want I want to see how it works in there yeah i mean we have seen it you've 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 done it and it you snapped off a good few threads I did, doing I did it. Do, I did do it once. Yeah, yeah we did it a couple of times. Yeah, it, it was and we, that's how we bit. that's how we realized it kind of destroys it when you do that. Yeah, it's not good for the Yeah, pen. if you unscrew the knob, you'll actually knock thread notches, whatever, off of the piston yeah, you're rod. Like, you're like stripping the threads. Yeah, you strip, You can, you can disassemble it like two or three times and then it will not work anymore. Every time you knock <laughs> off a couple more threads off the top and it's not good. eventually. It's yeah. not good for the pen. No, they're very flimsy. Yeah. Anyway, not supposed to do that. They're very fragile. They're very whatever. All right. Once it's flimsy, it's got a bad connotation to it. They're very effective when they're installed in the pen and not taken apart. Exactly. All right. All right. So we got to have a pretty quick pen spotlight. Yeah, we can do that real quick. Okay. Cool. All right. We're rolling, Brian. Got what do you your, got there? Got all your ball fragments. I know. Those, foam that styrofoam fragments. is not... It's not the best. Not the um, best. Okay, so here we have the Pilot Custom 845. There we do. So it is, I would consider it a large pen. Yeah. It's not a massive pen, but it's pretty large. It's got your flat tops, Drew. I know you're into that. I am. I do like the little ring here too. It's a nice little- Classy. Nice little accent. Um, so yeah, this is, it looks like a black pen. You're like, what's the big deal? Well, what is the it's big Urushi, because it says it right there. Urushi. Oh my gosh. So it is essentially a- more or less like a, you know, this is a Pilot Custom 823. So you can see generally it's about that same size. The nib is the same size as what's on the 823 um, or the Custom 743, if you're familiar with that one too. Um, so yeah, uh, Custom 912 is a little bit smaller than this. Um, it's got a slightly smaller nib too. So I will say that uh, the thing that prompted this discussion was that we got a message from Stig585 mm -hmm. saying, why would someone buy the custom 845? So we're like, you know what? We can, yeah, we're not going to tell you to buy it, but uh, sure. we can we can help give you some context. I mean, it's for all the things that we could fanboy about Pilot. They make great pens, great nibs. Um, you know, this one is Yurushi. So it is going to be a very durable material. It doesn't look all that different than a black pen to the to the naked eye. But over time, it's going to hold up really well. And if you just appreciate Yurushi, it's got a slightly, slightly different feel to it. If you were just handed this pen and didn't know anything about it, I doubt you'd even say like, oh, this feels so different than a Probably not. regular plastic pen. But you you know, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't a think, lot of handwork. I don't think that there's a ton of layers on it. Probably not. It's definitely, it's definitely there. Need it. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, it's there. So it's going to be a more durable finish. Uh, and then the pen itself is, is nice and long. Uh, I like that about it. The weight and the balance is really good. The nib is beautiful. That nib is It's stunning. got a nice two-tone nib um, that's, you know, a little fancier nib than what you get on your custom 823. You know, 823 is fine. Well, blue because it's inked up. You know, it still looks good. It's a little bit bigger. But the two-tone really makes it pop. Actually, the design is pretty similar. And it's just two-tone. That's all. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So there you go. Um, yeah. And then it's got, uh, it's Con 70 compatible, just like the 743. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it. That's kind how, of How it. much is this one? This one's 900. 900. So it's, it's quite okay. a jump. And then the Customer Rushi is 1500, right? The Customer Rushi is 1500. So that's a pretty big jump. Well, let's show that. So Drew recommended showing that next to it because the Customer Rushi, you don't get a good sense of it. Um, 
unless you compare it to something else. Yeah. So there's the custom Urushi compared to the 845. So you've got 1500 up top, 900 yeah. down bottom. Yeah. So you've got both are Urushi pens. Yes. So yeah, I guess that that price difference kind of makes sense when you see them right next to each other. Man, that is much bigger. It's bigger and the nib is bigger on this one. It is. So nib design is similar, but this is a, a number 30 nib. Uh, versus the number 15. Now, this is all Pilot's con numbering convention, so they have their own kind of system. Um, but the Custom Urushi, this is the same size as what was on the Aya that we showed last week. Mm -hmm. um, second biggest nib that Pilot makes. Second only to the And it's actually more expensive than the Aya, isn't it? Um, no, the Aya is more. The Aya was like more. Was it yeah. over two? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Or for some reason, I was thinking 12. This is more expensive than the... Uh, uh, Yukari Royale Vermilion. That's twelve hundred. That's twelve. Oh, okay, that's where you're you're thinking. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, you got options. So, is it for everybody? No, but if you like a slightly larger pen, you like the nib, you like the design, you want something Yurushi, but you don't want something like kind of maquillé, like over the top design wise. You want a more conventional looking pen. This fits that need. So. Um, you know, you can definitely appreciate like the work that goes into it, the handwork, is it's still hand lacquered and all that stuff. Um, it's just, you know, basically like two different sizes of pen that you're getting with these two. And yeah, the nib, the nib performance is amazing. But it's a huge cap. It's a massive cap. I love the Guzzam Yurji. Oh my gosh. It's so good. That, I think, that I think that, yeah. I don't know. See, this is making me like the 845 more. Yeah, because this is this is going to be too big for most people. It, it's and it's just, heavier too. It's just this one is this one is a of, very good size. Yeah, that really is. I feel like the eight forty five is kind of like. I know that the customer Rushi is probably the pinnacle, like the literal pinnacle of the pilot lines, the custom lines, but the eight forty five, yeah. I, I think, is a more natural pinnacle. Not yeah, this thing is going to be bodacious in most it, people's bodacious hands. is is the word. This yeah. this pen actually like looks kind of normal in my hands because I have very large hands. The A45 obviously still looks just fine, but most pens feel small in my hands. This one does not. Yeah. Uh, and the custom Yurushi like fits perfectly. 845 I think is one of those pens that's balanced well. I think that in larger hands it or is, smaller yeah. hands, it's still going to feel comfortable. I agree. I think it's one that's like, it's on the larger side, but it will it will balance out both. There's you go. There's your yeah. Con 70. It takes all the cartridges and take a Con 40, Con 20 whatever converters you have, takes them all. So there you go. That's custom 845. It's cool. It's Yurushi. Fantastic. All right. All right. So I'll just hang on to this for the rest of my life and uh, we're good to go. Just Talk kidding. to the boss lady about that one. I would want the Vermilion one. Oh yeah. Even though I'm not that big into red pens, just the Vermilion is just... Oh yeah. It's so cool. It's Yurushi. And it's a special kind of red too. It is. It's a nice red. It's a nice red. So anyway, um... I should probably get my laptop out so I know what the heck is going on. Oh, uh, what's happening is oh, next. Oh, we're just talking nonsense? That's right. Cool. Well, let's talk about what's happening. Super important stuff. Mm. All right. Well, um, I had a surprisingly eventful week given how miserable the weather was. Oh, it was pretty bad here. Oh, it was terrible. We had the remnants of the Oph Ophelia. Ophelia coming yeah. through. And so nothing nothing chaotic. I didn't encounter any accidents or big breakages or power outages really, mm -hmm. but it definitely... We just got a lot of rain. It could, a ton of rain, like all weekend. I think it, we got five inches of rain on Saturday. It could have been a weekend that I stayed in and did nothing, but we actually 
did a fair amount of things. You know, mm-hmm. it was there was a lot of errand running. Um, Friday night, we did go over my grandmother's, uh, whom I call Mimi. I don't know who everybody else, what you call your grandmother's, mm-hmm. but mine's Mimi. I love her to death. She's like the best human in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went over went, We went over Mimi's house, and she, uh, you know, had a little spaghetti dinner for Shannon for a late birthday thing. Nice. So we got to do that, um, and that was that was just delightful. I love seeing my family, and I, I have a great relationship with you know my family, my mom and my aunts. I they're all great, and there's no family drama. I'm really really grateful for that. And it's cool. We basically go over Mimi's house every time someone has a birthday. Oh, nice. So we get over there about once a month usually. That's so, cool. Um, hers will be the next one. So thankful for that. All right. Um, and uh, something happened when I was there. Mm. I don't recall what was the catalyst for it, but someone said something and I immediately realized that I had a hotel room booked the following evening that I forgot to cancel because Uh-oh. because of the um, tropical storm. Oh. I had a hotel booked in Nags Head oh my for Saturday night and I had paid extra so that I could cancel it with two days notice. <gasps> but it wasn't two days notice. No. Oh no. It was like $333 for the night. Did you lose it? I went just... I went to uh Expedia, tried to cancel it. Like, nope, sorry, you you are now past the limit. Oh I and here it is, Shannon's birthday oh, event. Gosh. And I just like my stomach just wrapped itself in the knots. <sighs> my mom saw me, she's like, What what's wrong? She thought someone died. I'm like, I I can't cancel a hotel room that I have tomorrow. And Shannon, I'm like, can I not tell Shannon? What can I do? And of course, she picks up. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I didn't cancel the Nags Head room. And she looked at me and she's like, you could see the emotions like, Drew, like you forgetful. You could see the whole conversation unfolding. But but she wasn't. She was like, okay, is there anything you can do? I'm like, yeah, I can call. So I got on the live chat with Expedia. They were so nice. Um, I talked to a real person. They called the uh, hotel in Nags Head. You know, I told her, I'm like, I don't feel safe with driving my family during a tropical storm, you know? And of course they might evacuate. They they evacuate stuff all the time down there. She was able to come back to me and say, yep. When I went ahead and got it canceled, Oh, I was like, that's awesome. I didn't eat. Everybody was eating spaghetti. I'm just sitting here panicking. Like, because with me, I don't know if you're this way, but Mm. I'm very cool under pressure when something's not my fault. Mm. Like if a tree hit the house, I would be cool. I'd be like, all right, you know what? This sucks. We'll have to talk to insurance. All the carpet upstairs Mm -hmm. ruined. Everybody's safe. It's okay. Yeah. Let's go and, you know, we'll, we'll camp out downstairs as mm-hmm. long as the temperature's okay. I would be fine with that because that wasn't my fault. It's like something sure. happened. When something happens, right. I can roll with it. Yeah, you're just, you're just okay, it's an element of chaos right. that's happened. There's no point in worrying about it. I, there's nothing I could have done. Mm. But this, 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 this does get me stressed, Brian, because- I, I tend to be hardest on myself with right. things like that. Because it's my fault. Yeah. I could have done something about it. Mm-hmm. When, when I mm-hmm. have an element of control, I do panic. Especially when it's something you've forgotten. Yes. Like that's, you and I both share that. Oh moment. man. Yeah, so this, this, I was, I, everybody mm. was eating. I was panicking. It all ended up being okay. But man, for a minute there, I just felt like crap. Like mm. this is, sorry, honey. Like we, we had, we're just now, we just flushed $300 yeah, down the you toilet. Yeah, you're just poor. And of course now I'm like, I'm still just struggling to get $500 to buy my PS5 and I still can't do it. And this, <laughs> this would have just like, yeah. oh, man. oh my God. <laughs> 
So anyway, that was Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, next day was good. Uh, woke up, made the family some waffles, which is always my process. I, I wake up first, go up, Shannon's still asleep. Archer's playing his tablet in his room. And I'm just like, hey, y'all want some waffles? <laughs> so <laughs> I went downstairs, made some waffles. Uh, and then uh, we just kind of laid around for a little while. But we did want to go out and get some things. We were going over some friends for dinner, and we wanted to pick up some dessert for that event. So we did. We went to pick up a... Uh, we ended up getting a chocolate pie from Fresh Market, but we went ahead Ooh. and picked up some dog food. Shannon wanted to run by TJ Maxx and just look around, just get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And, um, she, I didn't want to go. Archer didn't want to go because we're we like staying home. Okay, but she did say, "Well, Drew, we could go to Yen Ching for lunch." And I said, oh, okay. She knew how to get you out of the house. And I don't know. I've talked about it before on the pencast. Uh-huh. This is the Chinese restaurant that has, had, the, has the same decor <laughs> from like the late 80s, early 90s. And well, you it know is, you got to support them, Drew, so they stay I, in business. Absolutely. But don't support like, them too much so where they have enough to renovate the restaurant. So no, It's like a right. fine balance. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So I just loved it <laughs> so much. It's just, it makes me so happy being in there. It's just joyous. So that was a pretty solid day. And of course, we you know went over to a friend's house uh, that evening and I brought the Quest so that they could play some VR games for the first time. And mm. them and the kids had a blast. You know, seeing everybody use one of those for the first time is always yeah. funny because they get to laugh at each other yeah. and um, make funny noises. So, But man, was it rainy. It was still so rainy. So like rainy. Yeah. just... Just miserable. miserable. I have like mushrooms there. growing in my yeah. yard now. Same. Yeah. Same. Mushrooms everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's gross. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I will say Sunday morning, we uh, kind of got a late start, but we went out to breakfast because any chance I can do that, I will. Uh, <laughs> we went to First Watch in Short Pump. Um, I it's, think I've been there. It's, uh, there used to be an Italian place there called Bertucci's and they shut down. It's okay, right, it's right yeah. across from the mall. Yeah. I know, um, I know where you're talking but, about. But, uh, it was crowded. It's always packed. Hmm. Uh, very good breakfast food though. They do like a, um. Is it like a breakfast place? Or it's like a breakfast brunch place. Okay. I don't think they're open for dinner. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. cool. And I was thinking how great it would be. I might be wrong, but it seems like a really great place for serving, um, because mm. you have limited hours breakfast food and brunch food is much faster to prepare. Mm. So you're going to have quick turnaround on your tables, yeah. meaning more tips, more mm-hmm. frequent tips. The, the The menu wasn't like cheap. It wasn't like super bougie expensive, but mm-hmm. it was like moderately priced. So I'd say like if I was going to be a server anywhere, that would be a pretty solid. You would get to work more like normal working hours. Yeah. Because like normal restaurants you're getting out at like one, two o'clock in the morning. And it's busy. There's yeah. like a good rotation of mm. customers. So anyway, that was pleasant. I got a carrot cake and... Uh, like almond uh, pancake hmm. and then a side of uh, biscuits and gravy. And All right. the gravy was hot mm. and I love that. Mm. And it was not gelatinous. I have a very strong opinion of that gelatinous gravy that like solidifies over like, oh God, like Cracker Barrel gravy. No, mm. I that's nasty gravy. This was good gravy. Yeah. Just a just it's a, like the white cream gravy you're talking about? Yeah, but it wasn't super creamy. Yeah. It was it was just the right consistency. Okay. But like piping hot. Mm. Like it they were they didn't just like ladle this out of a you know vat that they had chilling yeah. back there. Yeah. It was a very good breakfast. Good coffee too. They left the carafe, which I always appreciate. Oh, I love when that. you don't have to ask for coffee, you can just refill it. And they even I came like back to like, this carafe has enough uh, for about one more cup. Do you want me to refill the carafe and bring it back to you? I'm like no, one more cup should do it. You know, I would, this would that would be third cup. And I'm like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So just great service, great, great that's experience. Awesome. Like, ah, oh, man, I love a good breakfast experience. I'm big at restaurants. I'm big at when they're attentive to the drinks. 
It makes Ra such a huge difference. Rachel will take like three sips of her drink and I don't understand. Well, it's such a, it's such I will, a, I will drink like three glasses. It's of such an whatever. easy way to like screw up a dinner. Yeah. Like if you're a server, you know, it, it, it's just pay attention to the drinks because you could have the best dinner in the world, but if you're thirsty and you haven't refilled, like you're going to yeah. remember that. It kind of like, ruins everything. I feel like I'm a prisoner. Right. When I'm thirsty. Yes. And, there's, and I'm just like, that's like the drinking like the runoff from my ice cubes that have yeah. melted and I'm like, that's the, something. That's like the worst thing you can do as a server is yeah. make your make your customers feel like they're trapped. Like not bringing yeah. them the check on time. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. Like, you know, they're supposed to be served and, you know, helped. And when you lock them down like that, it just completely, it, yeah. it flips the script. Especially if you got kids. It's like yeah. kids are getting antsy and you're like, I'm going to yeah. get the heck out of I here. I wish that I, <laughs> yeah, I wish that I could have had the insight when I was a server mm. that I have now being a father. Yeah. Like, man, I would have been so much more patient. Mm -hmm. I would have offered a different set of, you know, things. I don't know. I, it yeah. would have provided me some good you insight. More life experience. Oh yeah. No, I was, a, yeah. I was super annoyed. I was never I was a server. server. I don't think I would have a prayer being a server. I, I, was, was, I was a bus boy. Oh, I was bad at it. I was definitely bad. I cared <laughs> and I tried my hardest, but I was, sure, I was sure. bad. I was so forgetful, Brian. I oh, I can imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. You and I can't multitask. No, not at all. Like I would, you know, I would go, I would be on my way to some, to do something and then someone would stop me and get a, oh, can I have a drink? Oh, sure. Okay. So now 100% of my brain is like that I'm, drink. I'm what I was doing drink. before, doesn't matter. So if you sat close to the kitchen, you're going to get great service. Cause yeah, if you're the me. last person to talk yeah. to you before you go into the kitchen, you're going to get no, what you want. I was right terrible. Away. I like, I, I did well because I think for whatever reason, I was likable, but mm. I was not good. Mm. So yeah. I skirted by just by yeah. being kind and you got some pity tips, probably. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. They're like pity he's trying tips. so hard. So many tips of mine were written with their child's crayon because I did not give them a pen. Oh gosh, terrible. <laughs> I was bad. I was very bad. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have liked oh, me. Man. Um. So uh, another rainy day. I wanted to ask uh, Archer if he wanted to watch a movie, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, How about because uh, we were talking about both of these movies recently, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I asked him, what, what would you like to watch? And mm. he said, Lord of the Rings. I said, Okay, well, mm. are you sure? Because we we did try to watch that last year, and you didn't mm. you didn't mm -hmm. really make it through much of it. He's like, No, 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 I really want to. I was like, Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I popped it in. I only have the extended edition, so oh, it's like gosh. three hours. That's a lot. Um, man. That's it a is. Lot. He did not make it through like twenty minutes. Oh gosh. He got. He was just rolling around, bored, like <laughs> fell off the seat, just laying on the ground. I'm like, Do you want to be done? Yeah. I was like, Okay, okay. that's fine. Fair enough. It's not. He he needs. He's to, just pretty young. Yeah. He I needs guess. to figure out what story. Yeah. How the story appeal, but well, one can live a successful life without having seen Lord of the Rings. That I they can. can. To that. that they can. That they can. <laughs> um, but man, I just like, I just even like. I could watch those movies with my eyes closed and just listen to them because mm. like the music and oh, yeah. the sound design is just so, so delightful to listen mm -hmm. to. So anyway, one awful thing about Archer that I recently discovered both, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and today, mm. homie likes plain Captain Crunch. Okay. No Crunch Berries. Okay. Just plain old Captain Crunch. I mean... Just ripping your ripping off the it's roof still of your on mouth. shelves. It sells. Yeah, somebody's eating it. It's him <laughs> ripping off the roof of your mouth. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, Captain, Captain Crunch is brutal. I I didn't really have a lot of Captain Crunch as a kid. Neither did I. What does it taste like? I'm trying to remember. It's its own thing. It doesn't really have an analog. Okay. Um. So I had a lot uh, of kicks. I had a lot of kicks as a kid. Oh, kicks is great. Yeah, kicks I love is kicks. good. I had a lot of kicks too. My mom. Yeah. My mom uh, insisted on giving us 
the the cereal she thought was healthy. Now you actually look at the nutrition facts, and there's not really a difference. They're all well. That's how they marketed it. They're all kind of. They're all. They're all crap. So oh, it's I, don't, I don't really yeah. care. Whatever. Yeah. So we kid. might as well eat the stuff that tastes amazing. Pretty much. Yeah. He's he's a kid. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Yeah. We've got some count chocolate count chocolate in there now too. I like so. uh, an example of my frugalness here. You know, we've talked about like, oh, yeah, you, you're a bag Sh- man. Sh- Shannon's bougie with the yeah. name brand cereals and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I am with certain cereals, but if I can't tell the difference, there's no. such a big price difference. Oh, yeah. Of cereals. Yeah. Like, like I like Raisin Bran. I know I'm an old man, but I like Raisin Bran. Yeah. The whatever I can get at Aldi is yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Raisin, Aldi, raisin Flakes. Yeah. Or something. It's all, they can actually call it Raisin Bran, I think. Like, I think because so. it's, do, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's it for me. Not a whole lot going on. Okay, but uh, life has been delightful. I've been, yeah, I've been good. happy. Good for you. Day in, day out, it's been, it's been good stuff. Nice. Yeah, I've, uh, I don't have as much to talk about today. Famous last words. We'll, mm-hmm. go, we'll go twenty more minutes. Um, had some good family time. Hung out with my parents. Hadn't seen them for a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Um, so just got to chill with them. Had brunch with them on Sunday. Um, made some French toast. Hadn't made that in a while. Nice. So normally we do pancakes. That's like our standby. What's your griddle I mean, situation, Brian Goulet? I've got a griddle situation. You got electric griddle? I got an electric griddle. Yeah. That's, what, what, what brand do you rock it? go to. Oh, I don't know. Some $20 thing. That's what I have. Whatever okay. department store or Same. Target. Same. Okay. I bought a electric griddle from Kroger. Like, okay. Like yeah. the middle section where they have- You're just like, like oh yeah, maybe yeah. I could probably use that. I, I, I don't- it, I think it might. Is it uh, not good? No, it finally, it finally. Uh, oh, it kicked? Well, it did didn't it really kick. In? So it did this thing where, uh, and I love me some pancakes. I We use oh, it yeah. pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. But uh, it would do this thing where it would get really hot at the beginning. I'd make all the pancakes and then the temperature would just drop. Huh. And then. It wouldn't keep up? No. And then I'd be like, all right, well, these need to sit here and cook for a thousand years now. So. Weird. Yeah, it was dumb. So anyway, yeah, the, like, the, the right. sticker on the dial disappeared oh gosh so now i'm like i have no idea where to even put this thing oh, so i was thinking like maybe i can like make, make, some, notch make some notch or something yeah, but, that's right. but i was like nah this thing's done anyway i paid 20 bucks for it it's lasted more than 10 years so i mean two dollars a year for an electric griddle yeah it's, it's pretty good so it's i need a good to, life so i need to get a new one yeah and i use it enough that i'd like to upgrade so i need to do i need to look into that do a little they bit. make I would assume they make fancier electric griddles. It doesn't need to be fancy. You just need to maintain a freaking temperature. I'm pretty sure any new griddle will do that. I'm hoping. Did it do that in the beginning? I don't know. I feel like in the beginning, I'd make my stuff quick anyway, because it was just Shannon and I. But now that I've got a third human in the house, I'm making several surfaces worth of food. Yeah, Yeah, but it should stay hot, though. It should, yeah. Especially if if you're mixing up batter, it's like, more or less room temperature. Yeah. It's not like you're cooking cold stuff. It's like yeah. really ch- no. bringing the temperature down. Yeah. But I respect my pancakes and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I need them to be better. I'm but. pretty sure you could just get a $20 griddle thing and it would be fine. It'll last you another 10 years. Perhaps. Maybe I'll do that again. Well, probably they're probably more than that now because of inflation oh, yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, okay, we what, just got a regular. What kind of pancakes griddle. you make? Um, we'll mix it up. We like putting stuff in the pancakes. In the stuff or on the stuff? So it depends. Oh. It depends on what the stuff is. Oh. Would you do berries? We if we do berries, then we'll do it on the pancakes. On, okay. Like, All right, what, what like goes in? Chocolate chips? Chocolate chips Chocolate or sprinkles. You put sprinkles in. Well, you can do sprinkles on, but if you do, then when you flip them, they like they burn. Burn yeah. and they become like this solid like layer yeah. of thing, you know, and which is fine. It's just a different thing. Yeah. But if you do it 
in the pancake batter. And we're talking about the waxy. Oh, yeah. Not the not no, none of this crunchy nonsense. Yeah. No, Amen you can't that. have that with pancakes. Nope. No, then it's like you're eating sand in your Ugh, pancakes. Terrible. No, no, no. We know how to do it. Rachel, I mean, Rachel's, she's not a snob when it comes to sprinkles. She likes sprinkles, but the, she's waxy. All the yeah. Way. Yeah. Way to go. Um, but yeah, we did, uh, yeah, we did French, uh, French toast, which we don't often do, but it's not that much different than doing pancakes. No. It's just a couple extra steps. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was really good. Did you buy special bread or just use what you had? We just used, a part of the reason we did it is because we were just going to do regular pancakes. But, um, you know, I did the thing where I was like, oh, we need a few things at the store. And it was like midweek. Mm. So I was like, okay, we'll just like, I'll stop on the way home and get some groceries. I think Rachel stopped this time. But we hadn't like gone home and done an inventory. So it was kind of like, oh, did we need bread? I can't remember. Oh, you got So it's like, I'm surplus. pretty sure we need some bread. But then we get home and like, oh my gosh, we already had two loaves what of bread. What are we going to do? This happens to me all the time because I don't remember. My short-term memory is not the best. So I will frequently overbuy things, consumables. Yeah. And hammers, apparently. <laughs> but... but because because I'm always like, oh, did I get that? I can't remember. I'll Do just, I have a hammer? I'll I don't go know. ahead and get <laughs> <not> hammers, <laughs> but like, but like tape measures and scissors and sharpies and chapstick, like these. You things, can never have enough chapstick. Yeah, I'm like, I probably have ten tubes of chapstick and random jacket pockets and who knows where. I have one in every jacket. Yeah, because it's like, well, it's cheap and I just. I can't remember if I had it. I think I might need it. So I'll just go ahead and get it. And then I have it and whatever. Um, yeah. But food things that expire like food, you sometimes it's like, oh crap. Okay. We, French toast is a good way to deal with surplus bread. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also, what we did. also we killed, the, the, killed a whole loaf. <laughs> when was the last time you made a triple decker uh, peanut butter and jelly? Oh, uh, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, boy. Not that long. Now yeah. we're talking. Oh yeah, I'll do a triple decker. I, you, you introduced me to the triple decker. And the Mercedes cut. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, I don't do I that. Do like but like three triangle. I'm not, I, I, I still do that from time to time. <laughs> when you want two sandwiches, but you don't want that much bread. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I do. I've done that with fan. grilled cheese too. Oh yeah, for sure. Triple decker sandwich. Like, it's like a club sandwich. I mean, that's really what it is, right? Fantastic. Big fan. Um, anyway, so French toast, that was fun. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's getting to that season, Drew. Fall is here and all the pumpkin things are starting to happen. So Rachel- Shannon, Shannon found some pumpkin things at TJ Maxx this oh, weekend. Yeah. We got some pumpkin things. I'm yeah. not, I'm just talking purely like consumables, food. Oh, stuff, oh like, I Not see, decorations. I see. Oh, okay. I'm sure the fall birds are coming out soon. The target birds. Yep. Um, but yeah, pumpkin things. So Rachel's got some like pumpkin cold brew coffee stuff that she got. And, you know, we wanted to get some bagels. Joseph picked out pumpkin spice bagels. Oh boy. So all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is how it happens. This is how it happens. We start like, oh yeah, pumpkin. Yeah, I'll get this pumpkin, that pumpkin, that pumpkin. And then you can get so sick. Give it a few weeks. And I'm just like, I'm freaking sick of everything pumpkin. Yeah. A number of years ago, like probably four or five years ago, I went so hard on the pumpkin flavor stuff that I, I burned myself out. And I took like a couple of years off. Same. Well, I just couldn't deal with anything pumpkin. Yeah. But this year, I'm finally like, hmm, pumpkin. I'm there too. Yeah? You know, two, 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 two pumpkin things I've never gotten sick of, Starbucks pumpkin bread. I don't think I've had that. All into that. It's just the loaf. You know, you get your banana loaf or your pumpkin loaf. Both are mm. great. Okay. And Freaking pumpkin candles, man. Hmm. I will always huff a pumpkin candle. <laughs> they are just the, it's the best. Okay. I just, I would, I don't even care if it's the the dead of summer. Get me a pumpkin candle yeah. or a pine candle. 
Both of, I, oh, I will never, sure. never get tired of a pumpkin candle or a pine candle. Yeah. I'm Love them. Like when, when those things go on sale, mm. God, load me up a <laughs> year supply of pine and pumpkin. See, Rachel and I have so many candles. We don't burn regular candles very much. Oh, we do. Anymore. We always go through candles. Really? Oh, all the time. Yeah, we do. But, yeah, but candles, like if, if we're like having a, a week where we need to tighten our belts a little bit, candles just, yeah. Candles are the first. When we had Archer, candles were the first thing to go. Like when we had new yeah, expenses, right. I'm like, okay, can't buy candles anymore. Wow. Because, you know, some of the Yankee candles, like 20 bucks. They do get expensive. Yeah. yeah. But they're so, big. Like they, they can are. last a while. Yeah. But um, yeah. I guess we have a, I, we, I guess. We went through a phase there where we were like getting them as gifts and stuff like that and all that. Yeah. So like we just had this like stockpile of oh, yeah. half burned candles. My aunt gave Shannon a candle gift on Friday when we were yeah. Mimi says, Heck yeah. So we're like, okay. Yeah, light her up. Yeah. Candle all, right. all right. Love a candle. Yeah, we just don't, we haven't been burning them as much, so maybe we need to get on that. Oh yeah. You know what? Candles I like? fix everything. This is not related to anything, but I like the candle that has like a um I forget what it's called, but it's got a wick. Woodwick. Like, Woodwick. Yeah. yeah, like crackles. Well, they, they make other ones that aren't that brand, but that, I think that brand was like the first one to do okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's the brand I have, but I'm into that. Yeah. I like the crackling they're, sound. They're fun. Yeah. They're, they're fun. fun. The, 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 the cheapo ones don't always stay lit as long as they... Oh. Because the if it's not the right sort of wood, they like can crumble right. too low. Sure, sure. And then drown themselves out. But right, right. Yeah, the good ones are nice. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pumpkin things, um, God, most of the stuff I've been doing has been so boring. Like I was trying to think of like, what can I share? And it's just like, I met with my insurance agent. I, you know, was working on our home budget. We went over our like kids, like job, like chore chart mm. and reworked some stuff. It's just so boring. I just am bored talking about it. Even thinking about you watch it. Watch any, uh, TV shows, movies? Not really. No. Didn't really do anything that fun. Did we? I don't remember. No, everybody's kind of doing their own thing a lot this weekend. We hung out as a family and then everybody was just kind of whatever. You know, I was like straightening up random parts of the house. It's just nothing exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Straight, yeah. Straightening we did. Up, we like, did. We did some paperwork. And, yeah. You know. We did. We did some cleaning. I had to yeah. vacuum everything. Yeah. Even upstairs. And Shannon's been letting the dogs go upstairs recently, which we said mm-hmm. we weren't going to do. Mm-hmm. But they've been very well behaved as far as bladder control goes. So she's she's allowing it, which means, Hair. which is great because she works from home. She's an extrovert. Yeah. So like she needs, helps. she yeah. needs company. So she very much values having the dogs up there. So yeah. that's fine. But it does mean I will need to vacuum up there more often. Yeah. My current vacuum is, is pretty new. It does a thing where you can, Take the uh, it's it's a, um, a canister vacuum. Okay, um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I can take the handle off and take the head off. Okay. And kind of remove the whole middle part and just take the handle and plug it into the head. So I've got this like little mini vacuum, which huh. is great for the stairs. Okay. So I'm yeah. actually and, and and floor mats too. Yeah, yeah. Floor mats are all just get get sucked up. Yeah. But I like to get down on the floor and put one hand on the mat and just the other one, you know, with nice. the handheld and yeah. it really. The the little the attachment situation on this vacuum is actually pretty solid. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, but still. Um. Yeah. And then uh, Ellie had her first school dance oh. last week. So did Joseph, but he didn't go. He had zero interest whatsoever. That's gonna be Archer. Yeah. It wasn't like it was. It was weird. I don't remember them doing dances like this, but it was after school. So it was just like they just stayed late to school, and it's like they had this like Ellie's in sixth grade. They had sixth grade dance. And I guess seventh and eighth grade. 
or maybe seventh and eighth were together. I'm I don't not remember sure. any middle school dances. I don't either. I think we had them. I just don't, I don't remember going. The first dance I ever went to was like homecoming maybe. Yeah, me too. Or something like that. Mine was homecoming 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine too. So anyway, it was. Uh, Do you know where we went out for, went to dinner before homecoming 10th grade? Oh gosh. Yenching. Really? Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I tell you, it's been a part of my life for so long. I guess so. Look at that. Um, yeah, so she did the dance and it was fun. She had a good time. Nice. Yeah. Did you have to just go pick she, her up because she stayed there? Yeah, we just okay. picked her up cool. afterwards. Yeah. So um, she didn't have to wear anything fancy. She just wore school clothes. She like dress up a little nicer than she normally right. would for school, but she didn't bring like a separate outfit or anything. Yeah, cool. Yeah, she's getting older, man. But um, yeah, she said it was great. She said they uh, they got their like request songs and stuff like oh, that. Oh, nice. And she Rick rolled the school oh you know of course Rick Astley you know never gonna give you up oh man uh, which apparently to my kids generation just anytime you play or reference that song you're Rick Rolling. so it's it's not like the the whole like elaborate hey click on this deception sort of aspect right. of it is it's very like very s- s- surface level lazy is what it is it's mm-hmm I mean, how how like strict do I need to get like that with my kids? Like, like, that's not a Rick Roll. That's not actually Rick Rolling. You're not like, Rick Rolling. None of this even. I'll matters. show you how to Rick Roll. They're having back a good, in my day. Rick Rolling had some respect. That's right. <laughs> it's not even our day. It started in like no, 2010. No, it's not. So it's like whatever. Um, but anyway, so she requested it, and nice. They played it, and all the kids knew exactly what was going on. Very nice. But she requested other things. Like she replied, uh, they, this, they played her request as the last song of the dance uh, was "Take on Me" by uh, was it Aha? I, I think, think it so. is. Yeah. So I don't know. We're like we're like playing something like these retro songs. It's, it's not even really songs from our era because it was like I don't know, take on more eighties. Yeah. yeah, it was like when we were born, maybe. But my kids have just latched onto it. The nostalgia thing is like they're perpetuating it, just right along with us. So yeah, it was fun. So anyway, she did that. But that's about it. Cool. Everything else is boring in my life. All right. It's working. Boring sometimes fine. Yep. Uh, so that's it for whatever. What's happening? Yeah. Quick company update and then we'll wrap it up. All right. Not a whole lot to talk about on the company front, Drew. We're just doing our thing, man. We're doing Every our day. thing. But we do have a video. My favorite big pens. So Ooh. that's fun. It is fun. May or may not feature... One of the pens that we showed today. It also, big pens. <laughs> it also may or may not feature a pen that has never been seen, that we don't even sell. Yes, that's right. We are previewing a pen, sort of teasing it out there. But anyway, if you haven't seen that, go check it out. We have a fun little intro on it. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, we'll have more videos to come. We're planning a lot. So good things, good things happening. All right, let's wrap it up. Well, we want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions so that we can answer them on this very show. Check out goodlaypens.com for ink, pen, and paper needs. And like and subscribe us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, wherever. All right, I got a fun fact for you, Drew. Tell me. Very much a nerdy fact. Oh, boy. Okay, so this is about Moe's hardness scale. Moe. So I was familiar with the Moe's hardness scale back from my science days. Yeah. But I was like, how is that actually measured? Like what, like the scale is like, okay, diamonds are like the hardest. You got like talc and stuff like that. That's like the softest. 
And then you got everything in between, but it's like, how do you determine like what's a six or what's a six and a half? So I was curious. What does so Mo do? Well, I didn't go into the history about Mo or the scale or whatever, but I was more curious about how do you determine what the number is on the scale? Yeah. So I'd never looked it up before. And so I did. So that's my fun fact today is teaching you about how they do the Mo's hardness scale. Okay. So you're going to learn something. This isn't the type of nerdy done, that excites me. I thought you were going to say something like. This is like useful nerdy. Oh, maybe. man. All right. And, all right. So, but it's got a fun name. Okay. It's a, it's a device called the sclerometer. It's an instrument used by metallurgists, material scientists, and mineralogists to measure the scratch hardness of materials. It was invented in 1896 by Thomas Turner, the first professor of metallurgy in Britain at the University of Birmingham. The Turner sclerometer test consists of measuring the amount of load required to make a scratch. And in tests, a weighted diamond point is drawn once forward and once backward over the smooth surface of the material to be tested. The hardness number is the weight in grams required to produce a standard scratch. The scratch selected is one which is just visible to the naked eye as a dark line on a bright reflecting surface and is also the scratch which can just be felt with the edge of a quill when the ladder is drawn over the smooth surface at right angles to a series of such scratches produced by regularly increasing weights. They still use a quill. Apparently. I didn't look into the quillness aspect of it, but you got to have some kind of standard. So I guess that's what it was originally created How timeless. To be. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting because it is a, it's a pretty subjective scale. It's right, like the whole naked eye thing seems pretty yeah, subjective. Yeah, it's like that yeah, can be subjective. But a quill, okay. But I don't know. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Interesting. The I wonder quill if like part a, is yeah. fascinating. I would not have ever ever. I would think there's that. like other tools that you could use to yeah. measure that now, like more whatever, infrared or something I don't know, but anyway, that's apparently what it is. Use a sclerometer, a sclerometer to measure the hardness of things. How about that? Yeah, there's a whole there's, there's a whole system for measuring the uh, the hardness of wood, which I won't get into today, but I can in the future if you're interested. It's called the Janka hardness scale, and it has uh, uh, actually uh, probably a more specific and obscure method for measurement than even the sclerometer does but we'll say that, that. Can, we'll that, say can that be, for another day that can be you know a special feature for all of our um you know 20 dollar a month patreon subscribers you can listen to brian <laughs> talk about, about wood about hardness, Jenka hardness. <laughs> believe it or not there are other podcasts out there that i listen to that oh are woodworking God. related that talk in detail about Jenka hardness oh and modulus of elasticity <sighs> and you know these types of things that matter for wood movement and stuff like that wood strength it's a whole it's a whole thing there's mm. nerd rabbit holes you can fall into all over the place that's too much useful nerd territory i need i need useless nerd stuff it can be pretty useful yeah you gotta be careful you can be you can actually learn some stuff and put it to use oh terrible (laughs) why would i want to do that why would you want to do that there you go well that's all we got for you all this week thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time right on 